If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Big Tech's ordinance has everything from complete firearms to OEM and aftermarket parts. If you're looking to put together your first AR-15, they have everything from those parts that you need to the tools that are going to be essential. If you're looking for suppressors, night vision, handheld lights, weapon lights, sights or optics, you name it, Big Tech's has it all. Not only that, they're offering all those brands that we like. Go visit them at BigTechsOrdinance.com. Overwatch Precision is a team of civilians and combat veterans based in Phoenix, Arizona, that employ industry-leading production methods, coatings, and materials in their striker-fired polymer-framed pistol trigger systems. With an internal engineering team focused on thoughtful design, Overwatch's flat-faced and curved triggers safely deliver a mechanical advantage to your carry or duty Glock, Walther, CZ, P10, and Smith & Wesson MMP 2.0 with improved function and increased accuracy. See more at overwatchprecision.com. Filster makes awesome holsters. But not only that, they also happen to be one of those companies that are trendsetters. A lot of their designs are emulated by other companies. Not only does Filster make those holsters, but they also provide concealment systems like the Enigma, the Flex. They also have a lot of solutions when it comes to concealment solutions for medical. If you need to have a concealment first aid kit, they happen to sell them. Check them out at filsterholsters.com. Primary Arms Government recently showed off a new giveaway, which features a new Daniel Defense M4 V7 rifle, complete with GLX 1-6 power first focal plane rifle scope, PLX mount, and more. These monthly giveaways are only open to first responders and members of the military, so there's way less competition for the big prize. Entry is also completely free with no purchase necessary, ever. So if you want to have a chance to win, just visit primaryarms.com government and hit the giveaway button at the top. Walther is the performance leader in the firearms industry, renowned throughout the world for its innovation since Carl Walther and his son Fritz created the first blowback semi-automatic pistol in 1908. Today, the innovative spirit builds off the invention of the concealed carry gun with the PPK series by creating the PPQ, PPS, and the Q5 match steel frame series. Military, police, and other government security groups in every country of the world have relied on the high-quality craftsmanship and rugged durability of Walther products. Walther continues its long tradition of technical expertise and innovation in the design and production of firearms. For more information, visit WalterArms.com. Hey everyone, Matt Lanfer here with Primary and Secondary. Welcome to Modcast. The episode number is 329. We're going to be talking about defensive handheld flashlights. Yay, everyone's favorite topic. Okay, it's my favorite topic. Uh, today is, let's see here, we're looking at January 25th, 2023. Yeah, I uh, just left Grave Shift. I'm on day shift, so I don't get to play in the dark and I don't get to play with lights as much. Still, though, when I start my shift, it's still dark, so I still get to do a little bit. But um, there have been some really, really, really cool lights that have been released. Some outstanding, some upgrades, 
it's exciting to see some companies push ahead of some established companies and, and, and basically to, and provide the things that we've been asking for in, 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 in handheld and weapon mounted lights. I have a list of questions or a list of topics for us to discuss. We have a panel of experts in their fields, except for Alex. I just said that because you did that. Um, now this is going to be a good conversation because this is uh, truly one of my favorite topics. I love use of light because low light happens every day, including around noon. We can find places. We can go into a basement. We can go into a, we can go to a shopping mall. They typically don't have the best natural lighting. And if we have a power outage, guess what? You might be in the dark. Might not be a bad idea to have uh, light with you. The, one of the first topics we're going to be talking about here shortly is going to be talking about the differences between what an administrative light is or an admin light and also a defensive tactical or duty handheld. What, what, are, the, what are the differences? What are our expectations? My, uh, my uh, experience is law enforcement. I've been a cop since last century. Um, getting close to the retirement time, trying to figure out what the hell am I going to do next? We'll see. Loving what I'm doing now, though, and being able to do these uh, podcasts on a regular basis is, is great. Being able to talk to this caliber of people who know what the hell they're talking about is great. Comparing notes is absolutely fantastic. Um, these guys are going to tell you where, they're, where you can find them, uh, where they're at, where they're from. One thing to bear in mind, though, as they're doing their intros, make sure you're supporting those sources that you have found to be beneficial. Pay attention to where these guys say they're at. If you like what they've said, make sure you follow them on social media. Make sure you're giving them likes. Um, if they're providing some content that's really helpful to you, make sure you share it. Uh, subscriptions also are a good thing to maintain that connection so you're constantly updated with new content coming from them. That includes everything with primary and secondary. Uh, we're only a few minutes in. It wouldn't hurt to hit the like button right now. Hit that like. Okay, now you had a couple seconds. You did it. Thank you. Um, let's do some intros. Alex? Alex Sansone, uh, known on dark quarters of the internet as the suited shootist. I'm not going to say far and wide because I would be uh, a little self-aggrandizing. Um, never done any cool guy stuff. Never carried a gun professionally. Uh, in my 16 years of concealed carry, I've had one actual in real life light usage that I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, but uh, really one of my things is talking about the overlooked social aspects of an armed lifestyle and uh, balancing gear integration with a wardrobe that's not necessarily conducive to an optimal loadout. So, you know, some of us either choose to or don't have the luxury of being able to carry a full-size duty gun and all the accoutrement. So, Sometimes compromises either have to be made or can be made to make living with all this gear um, a little bit more accessible. And that's kind of what I'm, that's my, that's my niche. And for me, when I was looking over who we had for the panelists, I thought, you know what, we have military, we have law enforcement, we need someone from outside that niche. And maybe even someone who specializes in how to dress around all this or not, not dress around, but how to carry no, that's my carry, favorite, Matt. yeah yeah it is how how to carry the stuff that you need and how to make those determinations and that's where you came in i appreciate that thank you for having me yeah chuck <clears throat> chuck Haggard. um 
currently got a few things going on, but I'm in my 36th year of law enforcement now. Uh, previously did 28 years with Topeka Police Department. Um, specific to this topic, did 17, 18 years on SWAT. I did about, I think about 20, 24, 25 of my years on the department were on some form of night shift. So we're at least part of my shift, either my entire shift or, or part of my shift was on nights. Um, did three years as a range master. I was responsible for our, our training program, including low light training, weapon mounted lights, things like that. Um, I was an adjunct instructor for Stratagos for a number of years where our bread and butter was the vast majority of the classes I was teaching was active shooter instructor, or low light instructor level classes. Um, and got a lot of uh, my tactical doctor and my experience, like my advanced training through that, um, the doctrine that Ken Good came up with uh, when when he was with the SEALs and, and his partners in crime back then, and uh, still uh, wanted to, over the years, work that, um, try to improve that, but still super, super solid doctrine. Um, so yeah, that's my background on that as far as like, playing with flashlights, uh, sometime in the military, um, <laughs> you know, my, my time of working with flashlights was, I remember when I had, a the 2d cell angle head army issue flashlight. And then I figured out that the mini mag light was an incredible improvement over carrying the angle head flashlight. So angle head flashlight lived in my footlocker because I knew I was going to have to give that back. And you could carry, you could carry three or four mini mag lights for the same weight penalty and get, you know, lots and lots more light. So I've been dabbling in this since the seventies, I think. Um, and, you know, trying to stay up on the technology and things like that as it goes. And I'm guessing from your perspective, I would hope that you're seeing this. This is exciting to see. Oh, it's, man, uh, the, there, there are pen lights available now that I would have, you know, I would have done bad things to get a hold of in the eighties, especially uh, when I was a baby cop. Um, I, I got some glaring examples of not having quality tools or training can really, um, put you in dangerous places. Yeah. Good stuff. Eric. Eric Gellhouse. Uh, geez, I'm not, haven't been a cop quite as long as Chuck. I'm just in year 33, uh, retired from full-time work in 2019, still working part-time in courts for my agency. Low light wise, vast majority of my career was graveyards or swings. Uh, went to Ken Good's Surefire Institute low light instructor class in 2000 when he was running with Barry Duke. Uh, have been with to quite a few other low light classes, Fishers and stuff. Uh, my company when I'm when I'm not teaching a gun site. One of the things my company does is a low light applications and low light instructor classes. It wasn't something I set out to do. It was something I approached about doing more of. Um, had a chance to see all the lights and we were talking about, you know, the, the progression. So funny thing was in the 80s, like Chuck, I was issued the double D cell angle head flashlight that somebody was handing out. It shot this year as swag. One company was there like doing them as retro. I got one. It's sitting over on the couch. It's cooler than hell to like have one again. But I'm like, why? Um, 
went through the gamut of an issued Streamlight SL20 to buying my own 6P, which we thought was amazing. I still have it. To what we're seeing now from Cloud Defense and ModLite and the stuff that, you know, Surefire's doing on their track, which I don't think at least handheld and rifle light wise is quite up to what Mod, mod Light's putting out, Cloud Defense is putting out. And then we got got the new hog in last week as well. So kind of seen that whole broad gamut of stuff and where we've gone. Uh, I remember putting lights, putting the first light on a rifle, which was a, a 6P or a weapon light version of a 6P, first light on a pistol and kind of the responses to that with a Surefire Classic back in late 90s. So run that whole gamut. Cool. Dave? I suppose it would help if I unmute myself. Yes. Uh, David Simmerly, I've been doing the cop thing for 10 years. Uh, I've been carrying a gun non-professionally longer than that. I don't have any special social media stuff that I personally do. Uh, I have my business, which we do. Uh, we do machine gun related stuff. That's DNA guns. But otherwise, I hang around because for some reason, Matt finds my opinion valuable. I still don't understand why. Well, but we like hung I out said, at shot. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the baby in this group and I'm probably older than a lot of people who are going to watch this. So gosh, but yeah, cop thing for 10 years, uh, of 10 years straight midnights for eight and a half of it. And now I have moved to a slightly friendlier swing shift, which is still entirely in the dark, but not, I don't stay up until the sun comes up, comes up most days anymore. So let's get right into that first topic, discussing, in your guys' opinion, what are the differences between an admin light versus that defensive or tactical or duty handheld? So actually, taking a half step back, what are the tasks with the two? With the admin light, I'm looking for something that allows me to read and write. It allows me to look for things, not necessarily people, right? So I'm looking in a trunk for stuff. I'm looking in the backseat of a car for stuff. I'm trying to read a driver's license and write it, write a field interview yeah. card, write a citation, find the, the slot on the lock where the key goes into, yeah. not illuminate everything in the room behind it and be able to make don't shoot, shoot decisions off of that, right? So it's, it's a much more limited role. It can be done with a headlamp. It can be done with a small single cell light. It can be done with something like um, Surefire Stiletto. That's what I use. With the side switches, right? That start out low, medium, high. Um, it's not for going out and hunting people and making decisions that have consequences. So I, a uh, long, long time ago, was out on a backcountry road, got a flat tire, trying to just do things like see my lug nuts in the dark to change that tire was a real big deal. So, you know, if I'd have had something like a stiletto or um, like micro stream or something like that, something that you can uh, just turn into a mouth light. And, uh, you know, I would have had that tire changed in minutes instead of how long it took me to change uh, because of how dark it was. So administrative tasks, uh, a lot of times get away with less light output smaller size light switching isn't really a big deal as long as it's somewhat convenient 
Um, and then truthfully having something, having something, <laughs> if you're going to have some sort of pocket light, having, uh, you know, I'll tell you a lot of people will default to light in the mouth as an airsats headlamp uh, while I use two hands to do something or like with the micro stream, you can, you know, like I, uh, I've gutted out deer with a micro stream clipped to the, uh, bill of my ball cap while I'm working after sundown to, uh, you know, get a deer, um, field strip so I could haul it off, uh, something like that. Some of those little features that are handy like that for admin work, um, don't necessarily make for good tactical light. Like the, the switching on a micro stream is, is really good for a tactical light, you know, for what I would want a tactical light to do, but the light's so small that it would be hard to, to, to manipulate. And then, you know, your, your output is suboptimal. So uh, could you get away with it? Yeah. Can you gunfight with baby Browning? You can, but uh, you know, it's not optimal. Alex or Dave. Uh, so my opinion with, uh, with what an admin light entails, like the other guys have said, to be able to see things, manipulate things, do administrative tasks, in some cases, administrative tasks means preserving night vision. So maybe the light needs to have a very low power red or green mode to it. In other cases, it doesn't matter the color of the light and it just needs to be just bright enough. Uh, so Chuck was talking about, about a micro stream. I couldn't find one, but this is the this is the two AAA version, which, you know, I want to say is probably like 120 lumens instead of 80, which, you know, you guys were talking about, you know, back in the day, which I remember when surefire release these the executive defenders you guys remember these oh, yeah. and yeah, this thing believe it or yeah. not still works uh but i want to say this thing's like 35 or 40 lumens and you know the fact of the matter is if you look at it compared to the palm of my hand i wear like a large size glove it's tiny so for a carry light it was fantastic for a tactical light it has the same same switchology as any as any surefire that's got the twist cap push cap on it but you know, in today's world, suboptimal. Sub but anyway, for an admin light, we need to be able to see and manipulate and read. For a tactical light, we need to do that, but at a much further distance when, as Chuck said, there are significant consequences. So uh, believe it or not, even though we talk about stuff and Matt says we know things, all of us are always on a search to learn more. And I can tell you, about two weeks ago, I don't know how I stumbled across it, but this thing right here, yeah, it's a streamlight. It's like a, it's a clip mate and it has a little gooseneck bendable light and a clip. I didn't know this thing existed until a couple of weeks ago. And now it lives clipped to the front of my yeah. shirt with this tucked in the, tucked in the seam of the shirt. And I just pull the light out and I push the button on the end and I have a light at yeah. the center of my chest that's like 70 lumens, which, which I know uh, the guys were talking about 65 lumens, six P's, which this is a six P in comparison, but um, this thing for administrative tasks, for looking for stuff on the ground, like if I'm looking for a shell casing or blood or uh, debris from say a car crash, this thing's fantastic because then I have hands free it, and the lights coming from the center of my chest. So from an administrative standpoint, it's fantastic. Am I going to want to turn this on and point it straight ahead of me and try and hunt somebody? Absolutely not. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, 
Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. But from, a, from an administrative cop work perspective, it's fantastic. And again, like I said, this light's been around for, I want to say six years. Yep. And I just, I just found out about it a couple of weeks ago. And I said, holy cow, for, for how I have my uniform and everything set up is fantastic. There was but, a company, uh, I haven't seen their stuff around in a couple of years that made like a little spring clip version that would go mm-hmm. in the pocket and stick out below the pocket flap. They mm-hmm. had like two or three LEDs and they were like green or red or blue. Same, same principle that would let I you, say you know, like do an FI card. Do it. Yeah, that sounds right. But I haven't seen one in a few years. I have one clip to my visor in my car. Okay. My mother-in-law bought it for me a few years ago. And I was like, hey, that's cool. And occasionally I'll clip it to like an Apache letter or something uh, when I need a little bit of an ex- a little bit extra light that's hands-free while I'm working. So, Alex, what are you thinking? So, I mean, for my purposes, you know, generally – you know, I'm not doing the same kind of work as you guys. So I typically will carry one light and I need it to be a bit more general purpose. Yeah. Um, so really the only like, for, I mean, for the most part, yeah, my phone will will function as an admin light kind of sort of. Um, but honestly, that's the, that's the reason why I like the Stiletto Pro as much as I do is because of the way the switching is on it. You've got full blast RTFN with a typical tactical light on the back, or you can cycle through the modes on the side if need be, because I honestly, probably the, the, the admin role that I use it for the most is if I'm meeting up with people in some kind of social setting bar, restaurant, or some other kind of crowded venue, that's my thing is I will like, I will cup the light. So the bezel is in my palm and then I will like, strobe it a little bit to get somebody's attention without blasting the whole freaking room with whatever the power is as kind of a, Hey, I'm over here. Um, yeah, so I'm using it as a signal light, but that's aside from that, that's kind of the only admin tasking that I personally have any real call for anymore. Um, you know, or if I'm, if, you know, if I drop my keys into the car or something like that, at that point, you know, if I've got the power of the sun, cool, that just makes it that much easier. But, um, yeah, it's, for me, it's, it's one of those where my priorities are unobtrusive and mm-hmm. covering the widest scope of usage possible. Well, also in your, I wouldn't say niche, with what you're doing, you probably don't have quite the storage that like Dave and I have on duty. No, we absolutely have not. uniform and I have my external vest and I have the duty belt and everything's very overt. Exactly right. Whereas for me, you know, depending on the circumstances, I might not even want anything clipped to my pockets. Yes. So, yeah. um, you know, that's where like the Raven pocket shields and things like that come in. And, you know, you'll see people running side by side, like a flashlight and OC tucked in a hip pocket and all that kind of jazz. So um, that's another huge advantage of the Stiletto Pro. And I, it, I was a late adopter of this thing because on paper, I wasn't super convinced. I'm like, well, it's not that much thinner than 
you know, whatever XYZ light that I was running at the time. I think at that point it was the the Phoenix PD35. I'm like, it's a fraction of an inch. It can't be that big of a deal. I handled one at the NRA show last year. I'm like, well, I was wrong. Here's my credit card. Yeah. Yeah. Now, funny thing about the stiletto, trying to go into a major league baseball stadium with the stiletto. Uh-huh. All sorts of finger wiggling and probing by the folks because it looked like a knife. Hmm. And that's what attracted their attention. It wasn't that it was a light. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that it looked like a knife. And they were convinced it was a knife because of the shape. Hmm. So this guy in this movie I saw went to a concert at a baseball arena and it expressly forbade even flashlights. So in this particular movie, the guy just stashed everything behind the belt buckle to bypass security. And it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, a fairly uneventful section of the film. So for me, I have two different types. So I have my on duty admin and on duty admin is a normal stiletto that I have on my shoulder that I can activate. And it's casting in a manner that I can, if I need to illuminate something to read or write on it's there, or if I'm doing a search, and also is not a true, it's not uh, obstructing if I have to shoulder something because I'm right-handed. Um, admin lights for me also, I don't need a lot of lumens, but I, I definitely don't need a lot of candela. I just need, I need a wall of light uh, to illuminate what I need to see, but it doesn't need to go very far. Off-duty, however, for the most part, similar to Alex, um, my, my, my uh, more defensive light is mostly... My admin light, but really my, my cell phone is used quite a bit for the admin type purposes. But I'm also one of those strange people that carry additional batteries with my having bad experiences. Uh, carrying spare, spare batteries for my uh, defensive lights is kind of something that I do. So for you guys, we've talked about admin now. What are your guidelines what are the things you're looking for in that defensive light and when i say defensive i mean tactical or duty or anything like that so the the two things i look for and it's <clears throat> we were talking about the 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 admin and the duty light the we were talking about uh, gear things like that very early in my career <clears throat> And what you had talked about with day shift, the uh, the sun was still up. We had a we had a line on a murder suspect that we were looking for. We had a big we had a lot of old houses around here from uh, Civil War era that big Victorian houses, and then they get chopped up. Some of the the lower rent neighborhoods are chopped up into apartments. So we got a line on a dude supposed to be in this house, big big ass house end up down in the basement on this building search. And at the time I was carrying an SL 20, but and those are a good light. And when lights shrunk and we couldn't hit people effectively with them anymore, it, that, that was actually kind of problematic in a lot of ways. There's, there's, I could get all deep into the weeds on uh, the legitimacy as a flashlight is an impact weapon, but with proper training, it's a very legit thing to, to be able to do. Um, so I got an SL20, but I'm using a department light. So they're all beat up. The, the batteries, you know, they, they have incandescent Ten minutes. bulbs back then. 
And uh, so the, the the bolts are prone to break in if you drop them. Uh, if you if you hit concrete on the bezel, they they typically broke the bolt. And then because the batteries never got switched out because that was expensive back then. <laughs> my joke is that my entire police career I've been defunded. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you're driving a, a Crown Vic with 195,000 miles on it, 220,000 miles. You can't get batteries for your flashlight. You don't, you know, they don't get have ammo for the range, things like that. You're effectively defunded. But uh, but at any rate, had an SL20 and they're a great light when they worked, but mine was kind of a beater. And me and another dude were in in a basement. I got an SL20 and a 357 Magnum, and about I don't know, five minutes into this giant gloomy basement where I don't know if it's humidity or what, but it's just, it would just absorb the light. My SL20 takes a dump on me. So because of the state of the art back then, there wasn't a lot of options. I had my mini mag light and one of those little uh, belt holders because when my time in the National Guard, I used a mini mag light a lot. Uh, for, you know, put the red lens in and use it for map reading and things like that. And it was so much better in the angle head flashlight. So I had that with me and it was a good task light, good admin light because you had to do the little twist. You know, it's not one of these, but you had to grab it and then twist it to get it on and off. So uh, good admin light, good chore light, crappy, really horrible uh, tactical light. Um, and as it turned out, the suspect was in fact in that basement that we were in when, uh, when I had a dead light hiding under a roll of carpet the whole time that we were down there. So the very next day, since this was before Al Gore invented the internet, uh, some people might remember the days of the Shomer tech catalog where you had to actually take scissors and cut out the order form and write things down and write a check and you mail it to people. And in six or eight weeks with shipping and handling, they would uh, get you your merchandise, right? So I mail ordered a Surefire, actually a laser product 6P back then. And everybody on my department thought I was absolutely insane because I spent $50 on a flashlight. And in 1988, that was money. Right. You could go out drinking most of the night on a $20 bill back then. So, and it had uh, 65 lumens of blinding white light. So I made sure I eventually rounded up my own SL20 so that I could just come to work and drop that in the charger and have my own flashlight that I could take care of. And then I had that Surefire as a backup light. Um, and for a long time, that 6P or the like the longer the three cell 9P, that was the state of the art. You'd have 65 lumens, you'd have 90 lumens. Uh, I was using those as a uh, with a hundred mile and a roll a hundred mile an hour tape as a weapon mounted light because back then your choices were things like, um, you know, you see like the the British SAS guys with mag lights that are hose clamped to an MP5 things like that. I, I started when all that bullshit was common. Um, that said, one of the things I liked about the six P was look, this is an Estrella, but what I liked was you pushed on the button and it was on, you let go, it was off. And then you had to twist to get your constant on, right? So you couldn't accidentally click it and leave it on, which a lot of the clicky switches, like this is a, was this a Phoenix that I've got? You know, if you push partially, it comes on. Maybe you push too hard, you get it clicked. I don't prefer a clicky switch, but that's what, 
the horde wants. So that's what most of the flashlights come with nowadays. But I think for, for a combat light, you absolutely have to have some way to control uh, where if you, you, you can, when I say strobe, I don't mean store-bought strobe, like a strobe setting. Manual strobe. You can manually strobe yep. um, because that's what we did before Ken Good invented this thing right here um, is manually strobe and it's still an effective way to do business. But if, if you hit it and then as you do that, you can accidentally click it on, that's a shitty switchology. You don't want that. So you, you absolutely have to have a momentary switch, in my opinion. And then I like a mix of a, a hot spot in the middle with a wide Corona on the outside, because you can do things like put the hot spot through doors, put the hot spot through windows. You have the spill lighting. If you're inside a room, that sort of thing. And then you can use offset lighting. Um, if you need to for, um, like if you, if you may or may not want to put the light right in somebody's face or right in somebody's eyes, that sort of thing. And then how many lumens, I'll tell you, um, what I'm carrying right now at work is that, uh, mod light, the PLH, blah, 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 whatever it is. Right. Um, really like the switching, really like the, uh, the flood, and spot combination, the battery life, everything, just an absolutely outstanding light. Um, truthfully, this is a Ken's Estrella. That right there is the best flashlight on the planet that you can't buy. Um, as far as like a police work flashlight, multi, multi-function roll bezel back here, uh, heavy duty, um, 18650 battery. It's big enough to uh, really hit somebody with if you need to extraordinarily uh, heavy duty light, but sadly he only made a, I think about 1500 or 2000 of those before uh, production stopped. So right now, uh, if you want to know what I think an optimal combat light is that uh, one that, uh, that Dave held up that, uh, that mod light with the, the switch back on there, that switching um, the output, things like that. That's currently state of the art and handheld white lights, in my opinion. Yeah, so Chuck, I actually pulled this off my duty belt. I am on, so the original uh, PLHV2 I had was actually their, their, the version one head. Yeah. And after, I don't know, two and a half, three years, whatever it was of carrying it. It was dropped. Uh, it may have been used as an impact weapon a couple of times and other stuff like that. It, it actually didn't die. What it started doing was giving me a low voltage warning with a brand new battery. So Mod Light, I reached out and they were like, well, that's not right. Here's a new head. And good companies that make quality products are like that. So, but anyway, we'll, we'll get into that later, I imagine. But, uh, but as far as Chuck is, was saying, having a good hotspot, and having good spill, absolutely. Uh, what Chuck was talking about with non-directional lighting, um, a lot of people maybe talk about umbrella lighting a room or reflecting off the floor. I mean, you guys can see the amount of illumination difference in my room here. I don't have the overhead light on, just a couple of side lights, but uh, you know, it's fantastic for this. And the PLHV2 is what I've carried on my belt. I do carry a spare battery right beside it in a, um, uh, what is it? It's not, a, is it a cell bolt? Cell bolt, yeah. Yeah. So, and that gives me three hours of constant runtime. And I start every shift with a fresh battery in the light. 
And then every couple of months, I, it, if I haven't swapped the light that's on, that's on, or sorry, the batteries on my belt, I'll swap it out. So I have three hours of constant burn time with my primary light I'm carrying. Now that may change if I start carrying this, I'm still not entirely sure just because of the size difference, because we're still class A uniform. So yeah, I have to kind of, I have to kind of balance, but, um, but you know, this thing, we'll talk about that. That's, it's a little, it's a little extra, but anyway, good hotspot and a good hotspot is generated by enough candela. The way I explain lights to people is lumens is the total amount of luminous, the total amount of light that, a, that an emitter or a bulb will generate. Candela is the strength of the beam that the, that the emitter and the reflector combined will create. So that's why you have, to give an idea, and I posted recently a comparison of these two lights. This is a, this is a very well-used uh, Streamlight Stinger. Uh, because of the size of the of the head and the reflector, this thing actually has a pretty darn decent amount of throw to it. It's like forty thousand candela or forty eight thousand candela, so out to hundred yards, it's fantastic. But good hot spot, good spill. This has a combination of that. Switchology when it comes to a defensive or tactical light, the first push, even if it has multiple modes, the first push with the main button, whether it's on the side or the back, needs to be as bright as it goes. And if you have to push multiple buttons or push one button multiple times to get to the brightest setting, it does not matter if it's state of the art, it does not matter the quality of the light, the switchology, the, the, the firmware that's built into the electronics and the light is not designed for defensive use. And, and a good example of that, as much as I really like the light is the Lumen Top GT Mini. Is a fantastic light. Runs off an eighteen six fifty. Uh, it's got I want to say hour and fifteen hour and twenty minute runtime off a fresh battery, and it's like a thousand or eleven hundred lumens and like a hundred and ten thousand candela. So I mean, really quite a fantastic light. But this button, it goes to like two lumens when you turn it on. You click it, and then you have to hold it, and it ramps up to full power. And so for an administrative task. This light's fantastic for a defensive task. Mm -mm. Now I have used it when I've needed to like administratively search and that kind of stuff because it gives me the amount of throw that I want. But for, from a standpoint of, do I want a light with more throw? But for my purposes, I'm not saying Lumentop makes a bad product, but for my purposes, this would not serve well as a tactical light. Whereas this less throw, but it has a switchology that's going to allow me to do what I need to do. This is the better light. Again, it doesn't matter the quality of the innards of, of the light if it does not perform in a manner that enables you to function efficiently. So switchology, quality components, and then considering the total amount of light it puts out and then the throw, the, the candela. And it cool. also, so Matt talked about LEPs, uh, laser, yeah. uh, laser excited phosphor, LEP. So this is a, this is a well tool and I'll try and put it at the wall behind me here. So this webcam doesn't really show this the way it actually is. It's showing it has more spill than it does. This essentially just has at a hundred yards. This has like a, this has like a five foot wide beam. So if you need, and that's if all. You need yeah, and that's it. It doesn't have, it doesn't have spill effectively. So if you need to use it as a spotlight, 
like a spotlight on a police car or something like that. This works in that type of role, but that it's it's limited in its function. Yeah. So again, way more throw. And the switchology works the same way. Partial press and then a click turns it on solid. Same way the switch works in this. Quality of the components in this are excellent. However, the the overall utility is gonna be is gonna be less because this has those functions of being able to provide the non-direct lighting to be able to provide the, um, the the spill and everything that you need for a more general purpose light. If you also do umbrella with the LEP, it's near worthless. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, that's I'm, not the role of that. The, the, yep. the LAP yep. that's no, no, that's it's like not. on a rifle. Yeah. Almost a sniper rifle light where we already know where we're going to be looking. We just need to eliminate it. Exactly. If you if you need to have that very specific, very direct illumination without spill, it's fantastic. But for a general purpose uh, tactical or self-defense light, I would not recommend LEP, at least not right now. I'm, I mean, there's uh, like Z-Bolt is a company that makes LEP lights and they actually have thread on diffusers. Yep. I have read good ex good things about them. However, I don't have any personal experience. I know Matt has at least one, right? I have one, and I never bothered with the diffusers because I wanted that spotlight. Because I have diffusers right. equivalent already. Yeah, but uh, so as an example of something that a department might issue that wouldn't be carried in a car but carried on your person, the uh, Streamlight Stryon. Yeah. Fantastic light, super tough. I think I have two of them in that box, the 300 lumen version and the 500 lumen version. The thing I really don't like about the Stryon is the way the way the uh, the internals are designed, the, the whole 10 tap thing aside, it's got a relatively small head and small reflector. So the amount of candela it generates is pretty low. I wanna say these are like 15 or 20,000 candela, which is pretty low, but for a general purpose light, and for a light that a department that a department might provide someone, it's it's a fantastic light. Super tough. It uh, it, it comes with a charger dock. Just drop it in, let it charge. You can buy extra batteries. They are proprietary, but you can buy extra batteries for it to have. You can even get charger docks for these that will charge a spare battery while the while the light is charging as well. So from from a utilitarian into tactical and all kinds of stuff, flashlight. This works pretty well, but the performance of it is definitely outclassed these days. Yeah. So that uh, when he was talking about the, the 10 tap or the multi, one of the problems with some of this stuff is you have engineers that build things and they're not tacticians or anything like that and, and not taking anything away from that. But it seems like there's guys that like have a flashlight and look, look what we can do. We, we design this thing and it does all these things. Yeah. But none of those things are anything useful that do me any good. Uh, if I have to Morse code my light to, to get it to do something, it's worthless to me. The ones that have a multi, uh, like I'm playing with one right now. I got, I got a surefire. I've got a couple others where uh, like with the one Surefire I got has got that IntelliBeam on it. Mm -hmm. So when I hit it, it's a fairly low power because I'm inside the room. I got to immediately let go, hit it again yep. to, to get full power. Then if I come off the switch, I'm back to low power again because the, the system thinks it's smarter than me when, you know, and it's sensing the amount of light and things like that. Not a big fan of why, why, why would I do that? 
Um, and then I've got, I've got other lights where it's like, you're cycling. It's like low, medium, high strobe, low, medium, high strobe. Uh, what I need my, my, I need my light to be able to, to strobe when I need it to strobe. I need it to do exactly what I need it to do when I needed to do that. Um, and when you're playing around in, you know, in somebody's dark house at pistol fighting range, this shit is really, really important uh, that, that you have the, the correct switchology on the light to make it do what you want it to do. So you're not, you know, steal a line from uncle Pat. You don't want to be fighting your gear and the bad guy. Yeah. To give an example of that, this is my, this is my in-between backup light. I carry just stuck in my back pocket while I'm working. So it's not quite an admin light, not quite a tactical light just because of the output. Uh, this is a, this is a stream light. What is it? A one L AA. So it'll run off a one twenty three or double a at lower output off a double a, I keep a one twenty three in it, but it's like 350 lumens. It's reasonable to use as a backup and it doesn't take up much space with 10 tap. The way it comes out of the box is low, medium, high. And then the, there's like four different settings you can put it in, but it's like low, medium, high. And then it's like low high strobe and then it's like high strobe medium low and then it's high only and i have it in the high only mode and high is it's not eye blindingly bright it's not going to cause somebody to shut down because you've overwhelmed them but it's enough to it's certainly enough to function with and i know guys chuck and eric are going yeah 350 lumens god back in the day but we're not back in the day. We're in, we're in 2023. So we can have the luxury of, of saying, yeah, you know, this, it's not terribly bright at 350 lumens, but it's bright enough to be functional. If you know, the worst happens and the, the main light that I carry, if I'm not pointing a gun at somebody that, you know, the main light I'm using for illuminating things, if for some reason this goes down, I still have this and it's better than this light I have clipped in my pocket. So Talk about just kind of that, that weird little in-between light before we go forward. And I don't know if it shows, but British company Terralux, uh, they were making LED drop-in heads for the SL20s. That's how I strip came across them. Um, they call this a little TT1. It's not made anymore. It was a single CR123 cell. Two buttons on the back end. I don't know if you can see them. One much larger, which was on off, right? Momentary and then click on. Click on, not so great. The smaller one, would let you strobe if you needed to. So it was, you had to be a conscious decision, right? This is a sling bag light. This is a briefcase light for me, right? It's, it's not a carry light. It's when I don't have one of those other things, but I've got the bag or the briefcase with me. Um, and this thing's held up amazingly well. They don't make it anymore. They make a different version of it. That's kind of similar switchology. One of the differences to consider though is roles. Right. So with the exception of Alex, everybody else here is a cop. We got to go look for bad people in dark places. Decent, normal human beings don't. Right. Part of it's for them is acknowledging it or finding a way out of the place that they're in when the power goes out. Right. Or they're in their home and they got the bump in the night. Um, listen to Tom Givens, listen to Claude Warner and kind of look at their data and their stuff's polar opposite. Whereas none of Tom's students have needed lights in any of the, the nighttime events they've been involved in because they were all robberies, right? Somebody's trying to rob you. It's pretty clear who the bad guy is, right? They've got to have enough light to figure out you're the victim that you failed the test and you get enough light to know that they're the bad guy who needs to be dealt with. Whereas with Claude's stuff, he's looking at the negative outcomes 
and looking at people at home and, you know, what's the percentage of it's bad people versus it's the kid. It's a family member. It's the drunk guy across the street who hit the wrong house. It's the autistic dude and nothing against them, but three blocks down, right? Pick up a light before you pick up anything else. And that light doesn't need to be on the dust cover or on the rail. It probably needs to be in your hand. So there's not a muzzle aligned with it while you're making those decisions. Absolutely agree with that. I think we got way too, especially in the cop world, way too big a habit of pointing guns at shit we don't need to be pointing guns at. Yep. I'm uh, conducting a night shoot next month, and we're going to be doing some shooting without our weapon lights. And we're going to be doing a mock search. And, oh, there's a threat. What do you do? It's one of the things I built into the the low light classes is that practical application part of going and searching, right? So daytime work from the outside into a dark room, into dark holes, but by the same token with the nighttime stuff that involves vehicles and hold, open hold field. On. Eric, Eric, yep. let's step back a few seconds. No, I'm just going to say just one well, thing. Well, no, no, no. He's no, going to no, be no, smart. No, I want to reinforce something you just said. Okay. All right. So, when it's daytime, the, the big ball of fire is in the sky, right? So we can yep. see without a, without supplemental light until we go into a dark place. So it's probably important for uh, people who search out bad guys who work during the day to carry a good flashlight, okay. just like the night shift guys, right? Yes. And maybe yes. even keep them charged. And maybe it shouldn't be the one on the dust cover of the pistol. Yeah. Yeah. It should not be the one on the dust cover of the pistol. Um, but then, too, I worked have a practical application part and this kind of goes to some of the other questions and I'll stop after this, but go out and search with it. Go actually look through a wooded area, go look through a business area, go look through an area with shipping containers or target stands and have to deal with the shadows and the blockage and the spillage and try to find somebody hiding, whether they're hiding because they're a bad guy or they're hiding because for whatever reason they're scared and don't want to be found. And that's all goes to that stuff too. And that can't, that light cannot be attached to the bottom side of the gun. All right. Now I'll go back to wherever we were. Cause I know I went down a rabbit hole. Oh, you're good. Well, before we get too far away from it, I've got a question because, you know, again, when I started getting into the gun world back in the late aughts, strobe was kind of the new hotness. You know, we were talking about the Blackhawk Gladius earlier and all that, you know, that was like a major value prop on lights. And then kind of the consensus veered towards, oh, no, you know, it's kind of dumb because, you know, it makes targets hard to track. It's like shooting somebody in a nightclub, yada, yada, yada. I have no frame of reference. And I hear people that are far more knowledgeable than myself on both sides of that argument. And other than what makes sense to me on paper, I don't understand what the... The closest I have to any understanding of the merits of strobe is the climax scene from Kick-Ass. <laughs> That's it. Yep. You can, the, the problem most people is, is they haven't been taught how to use it correctly. That's why, quite frankly, <clears throat> most people haven't been taught how to use pistol-mounted lights correctly, things like that. They got gear, no frame of reference, and they don't have the training to use it. I, I've used strobe both, both, manual strobing before store-bought strobing got invented or when Ken came up with the Gladius, the, 
you know, the, the, one of the things he did was that strobe rate, he did a lot of testing on uh, people in the Navy when they were going through their, their shipboard combatives class on, and he would use a variety of strobes and strobe frequency and things like that. And found the one that was most debilitating to victim to, to the people that, that you were using it on. Um, this is the Estrella. You notice it's, you know, got kind of the, the same sort of, uh, uh, frequency to it and he designed that light as well so not all the lights have the correct frequency to them so that makes them less useful but then most people don't know the context of when and, and where to use that <clears throat> i have found it really debilitating and disorienting to people in a, in the dark <clears throat> and it allows you to do things like move and they don't detect how close you are to them um i have done i have done ninja magic tricks to people just in demos in class where i have strobe somebody up talking about taking their vision away and then while everybody else in the class is watching the person being victimized i walk up and touch them on the side of the head and they had no idea that i was walking up on them um and i know a lot of people think that some of this shit's bullshit well you shouldn't okay my experience is different and i've pressure taste tested this in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of force on force engagements so the the problem with the strobe is is most people don't understand it and the when and where's um i will tell you for like when everybody stole ken's idea and started doing the me too thing they typically did it poorly or you know like uh some of the applications like uh the streamlight pistol mounted light so you can get the strobe on there that's dumb don't buy that um this is just an incredibly bad idea and it contextually isn't effective for what you would want that to do but for a handheld light if you know what you're doing and you know how to do it it can in certain scenarios be a very very useful tool yeah where i saw that. ken and barry hugely effective with it and this is one of the problems that I saw carry over to the LE world was they would work in tandem. So Ken would strobe you, Barry would move. Yeah. Barry yeah. would start strobing you and Ken would move. And then they might get one more cycle of that. And then you're eating freaking paintballs and sim yeah. The problem in the LE world was cops doing it with mechanical strobing rather than manual strobing. And I'm not a fan of it because I don't process the light well. I don't process what I'm seeing well. But I think if somebody does it the way Ken does in partnership, there's a benefit to it. Mark Schumann did a demo of that for me. I asked him to come out. Yeah. And he brought a buddy and they did that. And it for a bunch of cops, it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. On the tactic side, Alex, having seen this at Darcy specifically, there are things we can use with light to our advantage, especially like rifle mounted, but we're just stick with handhelds. There are some tactics where some people that weren't well-trained using lights would use a, would use a constant beam to try to, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it's uh, area denial, essentially. Try to dissuade people from going through this area. But you know what? We, we know where you are. We can shoot you now. Then there were the people that would just turn on the strobe and keep it on you know what? It's not doing anything. You need to, you need to change it up. And so there are some of these concepts that people grasp and they just, they go to the nth degree with it, but they don't really research. How do we really use this to our advantage? And it's kind of like the whole Dunning Kruger thing, but with tactics, yeah. but having seen it, having faced in and force on force strobes, eh, 
I can still shoot you. It's not, I'm not being debilitated. It's not kick-ass as you pointed out. <laughs> I, I mean, I can tell you from, from my experience, which is again, less than Matt, less than Chuck, less than Eric, as far as total years and all that kind of stuff. What's more debilitating to people is candela. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You put enough yeah. candela in their eyes and they get the deer in the headlights thing. Their brain literally goes, Oh fuck what's happening. And it gives you a second or they just shut down and they give up. Mm-hmm. And I've, and I've had that happen repeatedly. That's, that's closer to the experience that I had. And so that goes to um, what I want to, and yeah, what Dave just said kind of is a good segue into for me, a duty light. I want that exactly like everyone's been saying, I want that single output and I want that momentary. And then if I need to all the way through to have the uh, constant, Um, a lot of people are stuck on lumens. For me, it's, I'm more interested in candela. I personally am a big OKW fan with mod light versus the PLH V2. They're both great lights. I just find more use out of the OKW. OKW has, what is it? 680 lumens. Oh, that's, it's only 680. Yeah. But the candela is amazing and it, it can dominate areas. Yeah. Um, and I have like on, um, on my patrol rifle, OKW. Yeah. I mean, I want to say the OKW on my patrol rifle right now is like OKW number 94. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but, um, but it works just fine for, uh, for umbrella lighting. Mm-hmm. OKW works fine for umbrella lighting. Does it illuminate an entire room as much as the, you know, the 500 X lumens the PLHV2 has? <laughs> Not quite, but it illuminates the room well enough that you can see things, you can maneuver. And if you take a moment to stop and process, it's enough light to read by as well. Yeah. So, and one of the aspects that I like to share a lot, especially when we're talking about defensive type lights, personally, I'm a bigger fan of more output because I can, that's providing more control for me. And I can use technique to lower that output. If I want, I can, I can shine it off into a, uh, into an angle or off into a wall. I can cover it slightly as you, as you pointed out, but I can't take a lesser light and produce more output. So I'd rather start with my, my high output and then I, I can, I can do technique or whatever to, to try to lessen that, uh, that impact. And like in, so in comparison, this is what I carry when I'm not working. Yeah. It's an 18, And this is my admin light versus, you know, how many lights am I carrying on my person when I'm working like four? So, you know, it's, what's your, what's your purpose. And if the thing is, the thing is, if I needed to go somewhere where I couldn't afford to carry this, it would probably be one of the one of the flatter products that's available. In terms of lights and switching, like everybody else has said, push on, light comes on, um, release, light goes off. What I find frustrating is there's still some companies out there that make you go all the way to the click and release to get the light on so you don't have a momentary on. Right. And then do turn off the light. You're all the way into the click and release to get the light to come off. Um, the company's making that stuff is not acceptable for a defensive or, or working duty light. Yeah, probably them, but there's others. I can barely read the, <laughs> read the lettering. It's um, going to explode. Yeah. I like the be- I like a good beam because I like throw um, having worked in a, in a rural to suburban sheriff's office all my career. Um, I want a light that will give me some distance because I've got space that I'm dealing with more so than in a city. Um, I've got large yards. I've got fields. 
you know, roads to work down at distance. So I like a light with a fair, with a, no, not a fair, a lot of throw. Uh, I am carrying, I will bounce back and forth between mod light and cloud. Um, the 18350 lights, the single lights, you know, I got the PLHV2 from mod light and I can't remember what cloud designates their ads, but they're the general CH. purpose. And then the, yeah, that's the mod mission configurable handheld, but they've got a different, they, and then there's the high candela then the yeah. EDC. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got the EDC head on the 18350, like the PLH. And then on the 18650 lights, it's an OKW or the high candela head. And that gives me that distance, that ability to kind of reach out at distance. And another aspect to consider with when you're looking at your lights, that additional throw is potentially providing greater reaction time and distance. So that's an advantage. And in my current gig, it's the hallways of the courthouse and it's some very large courtrooms where if we lose power in there or the lights go off, it's not a traffic stop distance. It's more like an open field distance from yeah. one end of a courtroom to another or one end of the hallway to another. Now, to, to kind of segue that a little bit, how long, I know we've talked about this before, how long, how long is the aisle in a superstore? 120, 140 yards in the big ones? So having a light that can, yeah. that can reach out if the power goes out might not be the worst idea. <clears throat> now, funny story about light usage and lights going out. Years ago, my wife's at a retiree dinner. Power goes out in the restaurant. She pulls out the little aviator she'd stolen from me from Surefire, turns it on, illuminates the table while everybody's eating. They're like, what the hell are you doing with that? She's like, who's my husband? All right. That's what she had. It was one of my old ones she'd stolen and threw in her purse just for that stuff. So what are some features in your guys' opinion to avoid in a defensive light? We, we've the, covered some. Yeah. It's not so much a feature, and it's 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 probably not as applicable for y'all. But I am not the fan of the theorem switchback that everybody else seems to be for uh, for for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, I haven't spent enough time with it for that whole gas pedal thing to really be into. Like I would, from the small amount of time that I spent shooting with it, I just shoot better one handed than I do trying to do the two-handed yeah. thing with the gas pedal on it. Um, but the other part is at one of my jobs, I had that thing sticking out of my pocket and more than one coworker, be, that pointy thing with an obvious finger loop to them looked like an impact weapon. Yeah. Is that a grenade? So, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it is overt enough yeah. that if you're not in a circumstance where being armed is somewhere in that scope of, expected or acceptable um you know it can cause some pro now the the low profile one they make uh I'm, that i'm a big yeah. fan of the raven one with the metal clip uh with the mm -hmm. rubber little rubber grommet on i much prefer that over the therm switchback mm -hmm. not, not that there's anything wrong with the therm switchback other than i have a hard time getting it into pockets being a left-hander because mm -hmm. the angle on it whereas the raven yep. it just drops in and that rubber ring disappears and the interesting thing is um I got a buddy, some of y'all may know him, Dan Easterday, is actually working on a retrofit for the theorem that will give it effectively the same functionality as that Raven 
Okay. So, because because the Ravens been out of production for a while. Yeah, Mike keeps saying he's bringing it back, like they're redesigning it, and I keep waiting. So, yeah. but yeah, it, his his is a his is a, a retrofit. It's that same kind of rubberized finger ring. Uh, so, yeah, keep an eye out for that. I got one of the demos here. It's it's because um, I have I have a Raven on my mod light, which is somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's. For, for all the people that are yearning for it. Yep. Oh, there are a lot. There are a lot. So, so Alex, when it comes to that, I am also mm-hmm. bad at doing the gas pedal thing. Like I have to fiddle and go, okay, I set things mm-hmm. up like this. So I agree with you there. I, uh, I use this for two reasons. Number one is actually not as an impact weapon. When I've hit people with one of these, it's been in a kind of like a downward chopping motion like this, but uh, it's great for knocking on doors because I'm not beating my knuckles up. And it doesn't damage the door because it's polymer. It flexes a little bit, but it, it's loud. Uh, but number two is if I need to, I can retain the light. That's sure. what I use it for. I don't use it for the gas pedal okay. thing. And, and I, I 100% see the value of a finger ring of some kind. It's just that particular design d- doesn't, doesn't do it for me. Yeah, thank and, you. And yeah, <clears throat> especially for all like the regular Joes, you know, especially the, the IT crowd, which apparently the gun world has a disproportionate overlap of that Venn diagram. You know, you spend, you spend enough time around the, you know, the general population that does not recreationally pursue violence. Uh, you know, that'll, that'll, that'll raise at least a couple of eyebrows in the white collar world. I think like, I, I get what they tried to do with the switchback and, you know, every version of a handheld light, that that you want to combine into some sort of two-handed grip on the pistol. I'm not, I'm completely not a fan of at all, any way, shape or form, because you always have to get that set up ahead of time, which works really great. If you're going to shoot like a low light IDPA match or something like that, but like the, the surefire Rogers, the, the ones with the ring, you see, you use that syringe technique, the, the switch back, that sort of thing, that two-handed grip on a, I don't find any of that effective because in the real world, when you're going from searching technique, like a modified FBI type thing into a shooting stance, it just takes way, way too long in order to get that to be effective. It's just, I think it's completely unrealistic. Yeah. So other things you guys don't like to see on defensive lights, adjustable heads. Hmm where you get that 270. Okay. I'm going to, I'm wrong. It's not the number of PNS groups, right? But 12. <laughs> that was, thanks, Matt. I'm glad you got it. 12 settings where you click from a tight beam, the size of the led, the printed led to some wide diffuse thing. Now just, it is what it is when it comes out of the head. And I should know that already when I turn it on and not sit there and try to struggle with where I want the, the head of the light set for the output at that point. This, the same thing but kind of a different mechanism is the heads that, that slide in and out to kind of zoom as it mm. were. Yeah. Same thing. I, we, we talked about it in the pre-show. I don't like stabby pokey things on the ends of lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, for reference, this is one that FN made in the OOs that was going to be a general purpose patrol light with four stabby pokey things. It's a back scratcher. Yeah. Okay. It's also a DNA collector or an, or an, it's a, it's or a brain an, scratcher yes, yeah, or an internal affairs finder. Right. Um, and I came from an agency where we, they, we had no problem using flashlights as impact weapons, but this one problematic. 
I'll even take that one a step further because there are apparently bezel designs, not even like the crenellated defensive bezels, but there are, there are very obviously bezel designs that are intended for a carrier of some kind that are in, that are meant to be worn on a duty belt because like it, admittedly it's nitpicky but that was my main gripe with the mod light head over the cloud defensive is at the bezel it's on the mod light it's a sharper right angle than on the cloud which has more of a bevel and if i'm wearing pants other than jeans that will wear holes in clothing relatively quickly so and, i yeah. was just grabbing the, the heads of the, the mod light versus the cloud defense. And I hadn't noticed that before. Was it because I stick yeah. them in pouches, not yep. the full-size ones, not in pockets. And interesting enough, I had credit where credit's due. The first person to bring that to my attention actually was uh, uh, Lee, the obscene sailor okay. of, you know, PNS mod fame as well. He is. Um, I haven't seen him forever. <laughs> yeah. so apparently he's still, he's still alive. So. Oh, that's good. With yeah, his well, cats. It took about... It took about a week with the uh, original Surefire E2D to figure out that that whole thing was a bad idea. Uh, it, yeah. it would, that one would eat holes through your jeans in, in less than a week. Yep. One issue I find with the cloud lights and the output's great. It's a nice design, but personally, I have a rubber hair tie around it to increase some form of grip. Because it is so, it is a very nicely machined body, but it is so slick, overly slick. But the uh, the the button protection that's genius. Yep. That absolute genius. You can adjust that and change it to as high as you want it. Yeah, that's that's right up your alley, Chuck. Have you seen those alley? Not yeah. Um, sorry, I was reading the comment there real fast. Somebody threw at me. Um, they've, they've got different inserts at the tail cap yeah. to basically give you additional standoff. So mm -hmm. it's, it's you know, different degrees of protection. So you can avoid the, the clicky on unless you really want it. I thought there was going to be some problem to that. And I still don't necessarily get the best purchase on the back of the light switch with my thumb using them but they do prevent unintended activations yeah. in the pocket. Yep. So I, 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 re, I had, I think my, my full size one with the like Dell on it, had it in the back pocket and it turned on and I didn't notice it. Right. And somehow the, the, the pockets were loose enough that I didn't feel the heat output, but mm -hmm. drained a battery pretty good, pretty quick. So there is some merit to those rings. I so mean, and, yeah. I'll say in my experience, the, the better, the better design tail caps that have just a little bit of protection. That's not really that much of an issue until you're carrying a light on a belt and you put on an external armor carry of some sort and the bottom edge happens to catch the light. And then every step you go strobe because yeah. as you move, it's hitting either the top of the light and pushing it down or the, or the bottom of the light and just pushing the switch directly. And it'll, it'll, you're essentially strobing as you walk because you're activating the light inadvertently just with your gear. David, there's a fix for this. Don't wear external vest carriers. Oh, yeah, John, <laughs> John the fish cop was just telling me about that today. He had, he had the light in his external and something hit the switch and he was smelling this weird burnt smell. <laughs> the hell is that? Oh, it's uh, me. So let's see here. So aspects, 
so we've have we talked enough about what good switchology is? Yes. Good and bad. Um, well, actually, if I could raise another point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just not just the um, the firmware that's built into the, into the electronics if it has multiple modes, but the actual physical switch as well. Good switches will activate with just enough pressure, not too much, not too little. Uh, some of the recent drama that uh, that that you oh I'll go get it generated with uh, with talking about certain lights that that activate too easily because because the switch is the the you know that either the the actual switch itself or the um or or the or the covering on the switch or the the spring that's in there is just too weak and just uh, just brushing the switch can cause it to activate and so the you know the light nd as it were can depending on the product cause you a big issue yeah I don't know if you can see this, but this is an original Surefire 6P, like Chuck said, laser products on the tail cap mm -hmm. and the 6Z. And I can't tell if the 6Z has laser products on the back of it, but that was just how much they changed the actual switch from a smooth bump to a, to a raised uh, checkered switch that actually stood up and caught more just in that short period of time. The, the first one was the momentary on only, and you have to twist it to get it on concept, yep. right? Yeah. And then it looks like the other one, that's a clicky, isn't it? No, both of these are momentary. Okay. Yeah. These are, these are a six P six Z from way back when. And um, they both have laser products on them. The rubber boot over that uh, bigger switch uh, looks a lot like the one they use for the clicky switch as well. Yeah. No, yeah but this is a, uh, that's like a, 2004 2005 era 6p tail cap and as you can see you know that it sticks up quite a bit yep well even then if you've got like i got mixed feelings about this phoenix it works pretty good and you can see it's got get this lined up it's got little guards on it so that um it's fairly well protected from if you if you're across the guards it doesn't want to come on you got to get your thumb in there to to uh put pretty good pressure on it to get it to come on momentary and then it clicks on and all of that's a great design but then they put this uh goofy really easy to bump selector switch on the side so that uh i've got this set for constant uh bright but if you bump this thing at the wrong time then you end up with like you know four lumens instead of a thousand lumens and uh so great execution on what a really nice, if you're going to have a clicky switch, a really nice execution on that. And uh, so that was going great until they screwed up the rest of it with putting this little deal on the side. So overall, a pretty good light. I just wish if I could, if I could get one of these without the side switch, I'd say that would be a really budget. Just super glue it in place. Combat light. Yeah. That's a, what is that? A PD 35 probably. Yep. Looks like it. That's the same thing. So. so this is this is a PD thirty two. It's just I mean, like two years older, probably. But like you said, just the tail cap, great design. But the fact that you can inadvertently bump the switch, which I think this switch is actually a little better because it's recessed and covered by rubber as opposed to that external button. Yeah. But still, you can inadvertently bump it while you're using the light, and it changes the mode on you. So I went and grabbed that uh, O light. The O light has a magnetic tail Why? cap for charging so i grabbed it out of the gearbox and it came with a life card 
22 attached to it. That's awesome. Matt, I think by doing that, you probably violated the NFA somehow. I probably did. ETF's coming this. after you. I'm going to go get, hold on. RIP Matt's dogs. There we go. Right. It's on the SIG X5. Now it's a vertical grip. Now we throw it. Yeah. It's an AOW. So the switch on this little Olight is, it doesn't take much pressure to, oh, it, I already hit constant without even meaning to. Mm, not a fan. So uh, Nightcore sent me a light. And this is the P23i. I kind of thought the switch was kind of neat. So you have your, your main, you have your momentary, and then all the way through as to turn, have constant. And you have the secondary switch, which changes modes. So right now I'm stuck in, in high. I want to be in high, but if I wanted to change that mode, I just hit that other switch. When the light is not active, I go to the second switch and party time. That's the same switching as that Terralux I showed earlier. Yep. It, it, that's the exact same switchology. Yeah. So. yeah Night, Nightcore's been doing that for a while. I want to say probably eight to 10 years at least. And I've always, I've always been a fan of it. And I also noticed as I did this, it's nice and warm. My arm is feeling that's, that's comfy. I like this. <laughs> Matt has feelings. What? No. Wait, somebody write no. this down. Oh. So okay. I, I actually yeah. thought of something in the interim, Matt. Uh oh. Uh, another thing we don't want to on a defensive light. Yeah. If it has a turbo or automatic step down mode after a few seconds, we yeah. probably want to avoid those products in a defensive light because it means, and I don't care how much you like the brand, and I know there's there's lights in brands that I'm a fan of that have spoken well of tonight that do it. You don't want that as a, as a defensive light, and it's because the emitter and the, and the circuitry is overdriven for the size of the light, the amount of, the amount of uh, current it has available from the batteries in the light and, and for the amount, of, the amount of heat dissipation it has. And you don't wanna use a light that's overdriven as a defensive product. You want a light that when you turn it on high, it stays on high for, for as long as that battery can provide juice to that emitter. Is there an exception to that for like, I think mod, I know mod light does, I think cloud defense does where they give you the warning flash. So that that's a different thing towards the end versus surefire where it's, you know, 59 minutes and 45 seconds of good light. And then it goes, and then it's dead. <laughs> like yeah. we're, we're going to die here in 15 seconds, just so you know, and then dead. Well, so, so the voltage indicator warning is not what I'm talking about. Okay. I think that's a fantastic feature. Okay. What I I'm just talking to about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What I'm talking about is the, the emitter and the light is the, it's literally overdriven. Overdriven. It's yeah. driven okay. past a hundred percent for what it should be able to handle in order to generate specs to sell. And, and a lot of this stuff, you're going to have 15 to 30 seconds of this output, which a lot of people will say, that's plenty enough for a defensive encounter until you accidentally turn the light on in your pocket or the battery's relatively low or any number of other scenarios. Or you just you're not on the light. Yeah, or, yeah exactly. When you're not in the poor heat management. situation and then that, you know, that few seconds of above 100% output, the light has, it no longer has. And then you're at 60 to 80% of the output. It could be generating if it was 
if the voltage was or not the voltage if the circuitry was designed properly and the thermal regulation was proper and all that kind of stuff and that leads me into something else potting yeah good quality defensive electronics are hardened for recoil for drops that kind of stuff poor quality stuff is not and it is more likely to be damaged or break if it's dropped if it if you fall on it if you put a battery in it that gives voltage it's a little bit too high things like that so that's another that's another thing to consider is you want to you want to make sure a defensive light is going to have high quality electronics in it good stuff any aspects of a duty light people may not understand or justifications of some of this stuff they may not understand that you can think of. I, I think we've already covered it. We're willing, we're willing to carry larger, more overt crap because it provides us with more utility than someone who's dressed not in a uniform would do. Like Alex. Yeah, yeah, or, the- or like one of us when we're not working. And it's, unless so, you're unless you're seven feet tall, Yeti sized or mat sized. Well, so for administrators, purchasers, the people who are making decisions to what they're writing checks for, for an organization. Don't get hung up just on the lumens. Yes. Right. Don't just don't get hung up. Take the time to actually learn what the numbers mean, learn what the terms mean. Um don't let your purchasing agents do the, well, this is just as good as, cause it's 15% less, 10% less, whatever. Right. Yeah. Take the time. We, I ran into this a lot on duty holsters with, with our purchasing folks and they weren't bad. They just were trying to buy tons of things for cops and corrections and dispatch and administrators. Um, take the time to go in and sit down. This is why I'm asking for this holster for right-handers for left-handers for lights for guns without lights. These are why we're asking for these part numbers. So if you're in a place where you can go talk to the purchasing people and a 9,000 cop agency may not be it for one person, but if you can go in and spend a few minutes with them, maybe take them outside at night, take them to the, take them to an indoor range where you can kill the lights. If you've got some distance and let them see all the stuff and see why you're asking for that and why that cheaper thing isn't necessarily the best. Speaking of that is if your agency is buying uh, Streamlight Stingers, it's a fantastic light. It's not the most technologically advanced light, but the HPL version, it's got a bigger head on it. Yeah, I know it's, you know, it's half an inch larger in diameter than the the standard Stinger, but the amount of candela this light puts out versus the amount of candela of the standard, uh, the, the standard Stinger makes it so so worth it to have this and i want to say most of the time they can be purchased for the same price these might end up being five or ten ten bucks more expensive on a light that's going to effectively cost the department 150 dollars. but but that's the kind of thing with what with what eric was talking about you take this and you take the non-hpl version out in a field and at 10 feet you're like they're both fantastic at 100 yards this one still works. The other one, you're like, yeah, there's something out there. Yeah. And it's something on that. You just, you tripped it when you said streamlight bulb output color. Oh yeah. Right. The, the white or even bluish led stuff that's real high on the Calvin numbers, but it's a cooler temperature 
versus the stuff that's lower Kelvin and it's more yellowish like the old incandescent bulbs and they call it a warmer temperature. Different light output lets you see different things and, and deal with different stuff. And I have a preference that that biases just a hair towards the warmer stuff, the you know, a little bit yellowish tint because it gives me some better shadows to see things and will work in different environments. And I'm not trying to influence folks on that, but know the difference between the two and make a decision on what works best for you in the area you work in. So for a being a shortcut that we are, cloud stuff is going to be warmer than mod light. And Streamlight now has a, a lower Kelvin, warmish, mm -hmm. yellowish, whatever, however you want to refer to it as head. They had it at shot. They brought a whopping one of them. Oh, good. Um, by the time I got to their booth on Friday afternoon, they had misplaced it, couldn't <laughs> find it. So I, it was stolen. <laughs> I had, I, I, probably it was. Somebody, some cop snatched it and walked yep. off, right? It was Alex. Flashlight nerd. Um, but they have one because they've picked up on the differences between them. And yeah, I do like the cloud stuff that does have that difference. So I had this, uh, O light on for a while while you guys were talking, it got uncomfortably hot. Just so you know, it's nice and warm now though. Were you appendix carrying it? No, no. I just had it on like this. <laughs> okay. So, so for the people who want to be a little bit nerdier out there, the reason why the highest output stuff is going to be that 6,000 to 6,500 Kelvin range is because of the efficiency of the circuitry and how emitters are designed. And that's why you're not seeing as much of the super bleeding, at, bleeding edge output stuff that's that warmer color temperature. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at the way humans evolved using the sun and using fire, the sun is a cooler color temperature than fire we're talking about five five to fifty five hundred kelvin five thousand to fifty five hundred and then fire is like twenty seven hundred or three thousand kelvin a camera nerd too in case anyone didn't know so true you are <laughs> yeah. yes but uh but but the way our binocular vision involved was using the those illumination sources it wasn't using freaking leds right so part of the reason why why you know chuck and eric are talking about these these certain temperatures being able to see a little bit more definition or whatnot is kind of similar to when you're shooting you you put on like the super dorky looking yellow shades and all of a sudden there's more contrast and and it's kind of a it's kind of a similar thing as far as as far as the light if the if the light cannot generate enough output for you to see at a particular distance to me it doesn't matter what the color temperature is, but everything else being the same, if I could get the same thing, but a warmer color temperature, I'm going to bias myself in that direction. I can tell you, if you have to work around, uh, you know, doing the, the firefighter thing part-time for the past six years, or if you have to work around things like flashbang smoke or things like that, the, the color of the light, the temperature, yeah. you know, how, how warm or, or how bright it appears can make a significant difference in getting through those obstacles. I've noticed some of the, the super bright, the, like the whiter LED lights give you that, like in flashbang smoke when I was, when I was, uh, you know, actively doing a lot of that stuff, it would, my analogy is high beams in a snowstorm, yeah. you know, yep. or high beams in a fog bank where it, it, it becomes 
you know, you're creating your own wall of light that is hard to get through. Whereas if you have some of the, in my experience, you have some of those warmer colors kind of cuts through that quite a bit better. And I didn't, I believe it's just, you know, what Dave was talking about, how our, our, our eyes are designed to work. Usually the right color or the right light to be able to differentiate and make out detail and things like that under those conditions. I first stumbled across this back. Oh, Chuck will remember exactly when this was, when Plano had the ND with the uh, DG switch. I, I so may 2011, know. right? Like I, may, that I may know uh, something about that one. Well, I'm using that as a reference on the calendar, not, not the event per se. Um, but we had some concerns about our admin overreacting and taking away pistol lights. So we ran a very specific pistol light flashlight training session. And one of the things I did was I got my paws on three mannequins and set them up with clothing and weapons at five yards, 10 yards, and 15 yards um, on the range. So let people see what their lights will let them do. Right. And we caught the people who didn't know what fresh batteries were. Mm, yes. But one of the things that was interesting, <laughs> and this was just kind of a filed away in the back of the thing, I think I mentioned it at the time was the whitish ice blue lights didn't create the shadows that the incandescent bulbs were creating. And so I had one mannequin at 10 yards with a box cutter duct taped into the hand, but a dummy pistol laying on the ground at, at the feet of the mannequin. Okay. So you see, what do you see? Oh, I see the knife in sand. Great. What do you do? Drop the knife. Okay. Then what are you going to do? Prone them out. Do you see the light see the gun at the feet? The LEDs were missing the gun enough that it was obvious the incandescent bulbs weren't once they were looking. And, you know, the thing was, is I had no clue what the, the Kelvin range was, the temperature thing, anything else, just the difference between the outputs back then. So what you're saying is everyone needs to be carrying, what are they, the Streamlight twin tasks? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> slight, slight, slight change. Uh, talking about Candela, Travis just brought something up that reminded me. Hi, Candela looks through a tent a little easier. Yep. That's kind of a thing. Another bonus. Yep. Okay, so what do we have next? Good quality rechargeables. One, two, threes, 18650s, 18350s, the new, well, new for me, was it 21700s? So the battery tech, not like everything else that has improved technology wise, the rechargeables have improved technology wise, right? I was exposed to the, the Surefire and Streamlight rechargeables, especially, well, the SL20s all had rechargeable batteries in them, but Surefire had their smaller CR123-like rechargeable sticks in the 90s and was not impressed with them. They would take a set or what I'm calling a set too quickly, depending on what you were discharging them and recharging and everything else. The yeah. new stuff now does not perform, does not have those problems performance-wise and they're light years different and if you're sticking to 123s because you remember what the old rechargeables were like, eh, take a look at the new rechargeables. Yeah. They're light years better. Yeah, I mean, uh, I haven't I haven't futzed with rechargeable 123s in probably a year and a half, two years. When I was futzing with them, the single-use 123s had slightly longer battery life. And I'm talking about like a couple of minutes worth. 
in, in a flashlight. Uh, but of course, you know, the rechargeables, you can have more of them and have spares and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, as far as rechargeable batteries, interestingly enough, with the rise of everyone carrying around a battery powered seam stick and sucking on it, that has actually helped drive battery technology for these type of devices quite a bit. Yeah. And um, in case anyone's not sure what my, what I was talking about, <laughs> vape, uh, vape stuff. So yeah. like, you know, all, all that kind of stuff anyway. Uh, and, and so, and so really the first real big drive of that when, uh, gosh, was probably five, six years ago at that point, and that was 18650s in those larger vape devices. And that's what the, that's what kind of like the standard size, as it were, lights are using is like an 18650 battery, which is essentially the size of two 123 stacked. But if you're new and the rechargeables, don't put two 123s into an 18650 light unless it specifically says it's capable dual of fuel. dual fuel. Exactly. And there are a few products in the market that are quite good that can do that. You will get lower output with the 123s than you will with the uh, 18650. Yes, yes. But when you're looking at batteries, if you're not going to buy specifically the batteries the manufacturer of your light recommends, you need to look at, at uh, overall discharge capacity. Because if, you, if, you if the light itself is drawing more then what the battery is capable of handling will happen is the light will turn on, it'll work fine for, for a minute, a few seconds, whatnot, and then it'll shut off because the battery can't handle the, the discharge. And um, when uh, before before ModLight had, had gone public, when Matt and I were talking about them, the batteries I'd been using were um, uh, Panasonic's, I want to say the green mm -hmm. Panasonic cells. Yep, yep. And, and I told Matt that I had had good luck with them for years but I didn't realize that they they could only handle I wanted to say I want to say four or five amps of discharge, and these require ten plus amps of discharge, and so, and so like Matt went, what the hell? You know, you told me about these batteries, and they don't seem to be working properly. I remember I, that I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then I looked into it, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, I, I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't realize that the discharge requirement of these lights was higher than what these batteries can provide. So. That's something to think of, think about. And also when you go on Amazon and you look at all these various, you know, alphabet soup companies and the sun fires and all, and all the other stuff like that, if you peel the label off, mm -hmm. you'll see that these batteries have been stamped or etched by, by, um, by Panasonic and by Samsung and by the other major companies as rejects. And so they're, they're sold to these companies who resell them. And they work fine for a lot of devices. The, the total amount of storage that they're going to have is probably going to be off from what they're supposed to. They might not be able to handle the total, the total discharge. They might take longer to charge, various things like that. But when you're buying those type of cells, generally speaking, you're going to get a subpar product. You're going to pay less money, but you're going to get a subpar product. So when it comes to a life-saving device, if we're talking about a defensive light, I would recommend spend the extra couple of bucks and buy the high quality cells, even if you don't wanna buy cloud defensives batteries, or you don't wanna buy Mod Lights batteries, these companies are still sourcing those batteries from the major manufacturers. What they're doing though, is they're saying, it has to meet XYZ specification, which is why their batteries cost a little bit more because of that extra quality control that goes into actually getting those batteries to Mod Light, getting them to cloud, for them to put their label on and say, yes, this is our factory battery. 
I don't know that the 18650s and the other ones have had the similar issue, but the cheap battery issue with the 123s used to be epidemic. You would get the ones that, uh, that various brands that were made in China instead of being made in the U.S. or Japan, where they had the uh, basically, I'll call it a circuit breaker, um, built into the battery. And if you didn't have the safety feature, uh, that there were a number of cases, like there was a guy in a guard unit at the air base here uh, in my town that his entire truck burned to the ground because he had a flashlight with uh, crabby batteries in it. And I, I believe it was a surefire, but might not, might not have been, but the batteries were off brand, um, low budget, and they heated up in the light and he had the light in his gear, like in his ruck. And all of that was in the backseat of his truck and the whole thing caught fire, literally burned his truck to the ground. Uh, I know of several cases like that. Uh, I put out a memo to my guys uh, when I was still with the PD. And then <laughs> one, of, one of my sergeants wasn't paying attention. And it was, it was several weeks later, he was driving around on routine patrol and he's wondering, what's that smell? Why does it smell like something's burning? And uh, the flashlight on his duty belt uh, was starting to smoke and it actually scorched his shirt, um, put a second degree burn on him. And, you know, he couldn't grab the light out of the holder. He had to strip his entire gun belt off to get it away from his body. And the whole, the thing had heated up so much to start to melt <clears throat> the nylon pouch and everything on his duty belt. Um, and yeah, that was one of those conversations like, dude, and I'm like, well, uh, like I didn't get that memo, that kind of thing. Uh, but it, in, in this case, lithium batteries, uh, have the, they're, they're holding a lot of juice They're holding a lot of power. There's a lot of potential for electricity in those, which is why we want them, which also means there's a lot of potential for heat and combustion. So I know some pretty profound, um, like with some lithium batteries, you know, we know that why do lithium batteries don't go in the cargo hold of commercial passenger aircraft anymore? Because we have had catastrophic fires that have brought down airliners and killed everybody on board. Um, so this isn't something to take lightly and fuck around with. Well, that's also the same reason why uh, Samsung, certain Samsung phones were not allowed on airlines. Yeah. And there have been multiple instance of, instances of the batteries discharging and torching stuff off. I can remember seeing, Chuck talked about his, but I can remember seeing at least four or five of those things over the years from various agencies around the country. So I believe we are now at the point where we can start answering questions that have come up from the live studio audience or just the people that have been watching. Um, first question, I think I, I, I really like this one in regards to handheld lights at what distance should we be practicing? My agency does seven yards as part of the qual, but it seems like that's too close. Yes. So I, my, my answer to, to John, I think it was John who asked that was what's the limitations of the range work to the whole limitations of the range yeah. on the shooting side of it, but then get out into the world get out into a parking lot, get out into a neighborhood, right? Get out into a business area and actually search with the light. At, at what distance can you see a shape? At what distance can you identify and go, oh, 
that's a cell phone in the hand versus that's a gun in the hand versus there's nothing in the hands. So shooting, go back to the distance your range allows that you can engage, identify and engage with, but then go out in the real world and see what that light will actually let you see when you're dealing with a human trying to hold something in their hand, move, reach for things. I don't know. Maybe uh, for me, as I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking that my limitation should be my ability to shoot. And the light can go past, but I, I need to be able to illuminate at least where I'm able to accurately shoot. So if I have my nice little 2011 and red dot and all that, and I'm I'm happy at 50 yards, you know what? My light needs to go to at least 50 yards. Um, and you just touched upon a part that I love sharing with people. If you're using, if you're carrying a light defensively, whether you're a cop or you're Alex or you're anyone Take your stuff out and use it. My favorite example are the um, sodium vapor lights, the orange tinted lights. Take your lights out and see how it affects your throw. And then go to a different, go to a different, go to a Walmart, go to a car dealership, see how that light affects your throw and, and, and use it in your house in different kinds of lighting conditions because no one's living in perfect dark conditions. Hopefully. Um, there's always going to be some form of a light and that light might hinder your ability to see, and you might need a little bit more output to overcome that light. So test all this stuff out. Yeah, Dave. And, and when Matt's talking about output, he's talking about candela, not luminous. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> so also uh, still talking about uh, at distance, what we should be practicing. Would you guys have anything else with that? Uh yeah, so uh, I'm not going to name any particular departments, but I ATF. know there are a number of departments. There's a number of departments whose low light qualifying is going to be the equivalent of like 7 p.m. on a summer day. Mm -hmm. And so if you're working for a department where that's your low light qualification, you don't you don't have to physically shoot in order to get reps. Go somewhere where it is safe for you to do this, even with a blue gun or just a finger gun and practice with your light. And, and like Matt was saying, see how far away you can actually identify what's going on. Take that practice. You, you can, you can get reps with your, with your gun and your mags and all that kind of stuff, you know, on a lit range. And most people don't have regular access to be able to shoot in the dark, in the actual dark. So make yourself a scenario where you can at least practice a low light engagement, whether it's completely dark or like Matt, like Matt was talking about with street lights or, uh, or, you know, across the yard of a residence that's got a pole light or inside a house where you're, <clears throat> you're standing in a room, you're standing in the kitchen and the bad guy is down the hallway at the end of the kitchen, but the hallway lights out. So your or light the has to be able to, or lights on behind them. Yeah. Or the, or they're backlit the lights on behind them. So you can put yourself in these various situations without it being live and real. Yeah. And you can use lights and you can finger gun or you can blue gun. Please do not run around a public parking lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, your house, someone else's house with a loaded firearm, please don't put yourself in a in a situation where you have all that potential for negativity to happen. Something hopefully for, for uh, range staff to consider, especially if you happen to 
I don't know, maybe you run a range at an agency. I've seen low light training where everyone's online and they all have their lights on. What good is that? Might as well just have an overhead light on. Because all the lights pointing in the same direction, it's a wall of light. Is that realistic? And is that helping anyone? It raises a, a good question because admittedly, low light classes are a glaring gap in my current training curriculum. Yeah. And I'm very curious as to what should a student look for? Good question. To, to kind of, to kind of qualify good quality low light training because on the surface you've kind of got the two halves of it once the light is out and the decision to shoot has been made that part of the equation on paper and based on the limited amount of kind of messing around that i've done like at a local range with some, like some skills and drill stuff is effectively just one-handed shooting so that piece of it, you can practice pretty much whenever, regardless of lighting conditions. So it's what I think the main values of low light training would be, would be number one, understanding what the limitations and the various lighting conditions are. And then also the force decision part of the equation from there. So without somebody just kind of giving you the, <laughs> you know, giving you that whatever their particular trade secrets are, what should somebody be looking for? Chuck. So what the problem I see in most law enforcement training is they want to call, you know, we're going to do like a night shoot and you go to the range and you literally shoot with your, you know, do some live fire under low light uh, with whatever, you know, maybe you use a weapon mounted light, maybe you use the handheld light and then they call it good. Um, to steal an analogy from uh, Ken, <clears throat> if you look at dogfighting, like like Top Gun or something like that, you got one plane behind another plane, and you know they have that nowadays in the missile age. They have the the little cursors behind the plane, and it goes beep, and you got missile lock, and you launch. Well, what we're doing is we're doing the beep and the missile launch, the beep and the missile launch. And what most classes don't do is the entire dogfight that led up to that point. So I would tell you if you're going to do a, so I, I have done kind of shake and bake classes for like guardian conference uh, and some other venues where I've got four hours. So I'm going to teach people some basics of handheld light and shooting with that light so that in a, in a simplistic home defense scenario, they're, they, they're already, got a little bit more than they had before. But I would tell you, if I was going to do a full-blown low-light course, it would be more like what uh, Eric and I were used to doing in that the vast majority of it would be dummy gun work and then dry technical work, like inside a building, how to do things like cornering. I was going to say, it, like, almost, almost like Amos, right? Yeah, ab absolutely. Okay. Um, Amos was, so I've done, I've done Amos, uh, did that with the, uh, the Pittsburgh crew. And, uh, so the squad, the squad that I was with, uh, I was giving them some low light instruction as we were going through, because if you, if you've been to Amos, you know, Craig, uh, has so much drinking from a fire hose in that class that he can't hit low light real hard. But, uh, given the squad that I was with a little bit more, 
uh, playing with flashlights as we were doing that when we went into some of the the force on force decision or the force on force evos those guys with some basic knowledge of cornering and things like that were slaughtering the rest of the class um, just from being able to do the dummy gun work, working doorways, working hallways, working corners, things like that, and then how to coordinate the pistol and the flashlight and that sort of thing so that you don't telegraph your intent, telegraph your location, but then you can still identify you know, the shoot, don't shoot decision-making uh, process, find your bad guy without getting ambushed and that sort of thing. So just, I guess it's going to be kind of piggybacking on what Chuck said. It's work the, the, work the actual skills, right? How do I get the light in an ice pick grip? How do I work FBI, Jaw Temple, Harry's, right? Anything else? How do I work this? Then letting you work it during the daytime. So you can see what it looks like. We can make sure that you're actually like getting the light aligned, right? And you're able to deal with malfunctions, reloads, all the other stuff. Then let you go in and work that in low light. And then from there, how do you apply it? Can you make the don't shoot, shoot decision? Can you get enough light on the target to see what it is you need to see to make a decision that's going to alter someone's life? Um, can you search from bright light into reduced light into no light? And, you know, whilst, while UTM and Sims is great, you don't need all that stuff. You don't need everybody in the protective equipment. You can pull the slide, pull the barrel, pull the recoil spring, give them a frame and a weapon mounted light and a handheld search everybody, obviously, to make sure nobody's bringing live guns into that and then let them work that problem with both, both sets of light sources. I mean, you can do that in a low light environment, right? How do you deal with barricades? How to deal with barriers? How to deal with corners like Chuck was talking about? Right. You know, people do this. The light's too bright. It's going to blind you. Well, there's ways you can employ the lights without blinding you, but you got to be able to see it and see how to apply that. And it starts on the square range, but then you have to work actual structures, too. So I would hope people are talking about stuff like that in their course descriptions. Is that kind of answered, Alex? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I can tell you, like uh, Annette hosted me when she still had Race Street. And we didn't, I did a low light block building search block uh, and it was all flashlights and dummy guns. And uh, the feedback I got from that class was that that did them a lot of good. Uh, that was geared towards it. Would, if you were a B cop or a home defense, home yeah. defender. And what I, what I do is I'll tell people there's no, there's no safe way to search a building by yourself, mm -hmm. but sometimes we have to do unsafe things in the safest possible way. Right. So what I do is I give them enough skills, just like oh, with a beat cop. Uh, if you're if you're moving through a house in that kind of problem, uh, like we tell, you know, what's the what's the official doctrine to tell people that, you know, if you think somebody's breaking into your house, call the cops. But what is most people do when they hear the proverbial bump in the night? They go make they sure see where it is. You know, try to try, try to figure out what it is before they like you know pull the fire alarm uh, yeah. as were. So I I teach to when I'm when I'm I'm teaching uh, not like Darcy because when you get you know 14, 18 dudes with long guns, it's a completely different dynamic and the tactics actually change. Some of the stuff I really advocate doesn't work anymore in that environment because different equipment, more people, things like that. Um, but in, in the paradigm we're talking about, like, how do I check out my house to see if I got somebody breaking in and that sort of thing. Um, you can get a lot of good work in with a structure and dummy guns and some handheld flashlights, get a yeah. lot of good work in. 
And Chuck well, mentioned yeah. Chuck mentioned your house. Go clear your house with a yeah. flashlight, right? You, you know, the light's too bright. Do you know where the mirrors are? Do you know where the frame pictures are? Okay, don't shine a light at them. Shine it at that wallpaper strip that all the wives yeah. want to put in the house, right? Or shine it at the baseboards. You don't need to look at the focus well, of the beam. Yeah. Wallpaper. Eric, what decade are you in? <laughs> Whatever that strip is, dude. How old is your house? <laughs> old right i'm in the people's republic of california i'm sure people that whatever that strip is right up at the top of the crown wall molding. before the ceiling no it's like a little six inch thing of oh, wallpaper yeah, yeah. paint or something not in the last 30 years it ain't okay stop <laughs> that's why you're the suited shootist and i dress in carhartt and Duluth trading company right there is nothing wrong with Duluth trading company sir that is one of my preferred casual hey, brands. that's what i was at i was at shot i was in Duluth trading company foreman pants with a jacket and a tie at shot this year i honestly Duluth is what 511 was trying to be with their discreet gear yeah. like if, if i could get if i could just get all the 511 dudes to shop at Duluth instead i'd be happy yeah yeah um but it's interesting you know you're talking about like the you know, figuring out if somebody's breaking into your house or not within the next 10 or 15 minutes, you're, you're very likely going to hear my early detection system. Cause when my wife's getting home from dance, I'm sure the dogs are going to go absolutely uh, gotcha. bonkers. Gotcha. So an aspect of this obviously also is application for me personally, using a defensive light is I actually have it fairly the same when I'm on or off duty. When I'm on duty, I have my light on my vest right about here, a little lower than here. It's accessible by both hands. Off duty, I always have it on at my left hand. If I'm going into dark places or if I'm going through parking lots on or off duty, takes half a second, I might already have my flashlight in hand. Is it illegal to have this in my hand? No. Is it bad to have a firearm in my hand? It could be. On and off duty, I try not to walk around with a gun in my hand, but I do have at least the flashlight. And Matt, so that's, can, yeah. Can I jump in on something? Oh, yeah, yeah, please, please. Rule two violations, right? Using the weapon mounted light to search with and stuff. Okay. There's things you can do with a handheld, like blip somebody in the eye if you need yeah. to that the instant you try that with a weapon mounted light on a pistol, a, you are leaving misdemeanor world and going to felony world, yeah. right? So handheld handheld yeah. you can do so many more things with it. you just have to know how to shoot one-handed one thing that i'm still wrestling with on that front is how to effectively muck somebody and have a decent fence with both your hands full you're doing it right now yeah, you're doing it now the only the only difference if i were to do it would be this mm-hmm the hands open and the light comes up. Well, right, but this in this hand, I got my OC. Okay, well, okay. So now you have open hand with the OC, and you can, yeah, or blast yourself with the OC accidentally. Yeah, <laughs> I know my luck. So what you're saying is you need to get some kind of a where did there? There's my palm. So get your palm and talk to Corey about have somehow have them integrated. That's oh. all just one thing. Wait, Chuck, <laughs> do you remember when the guys came out with the OC canister that would mount on the bottom of the MP5 about where the light would go? Yeah, it mounted, mounted on the MP5 like a uh, weapon-mounted light. Yep, um, but it was OC. Yes, I, I, I do, in fact, remember that. I They then told me that it worked 100% of the time on everybody all the time without being able to tell me what the major capsaicinoid content was. So they gave me a sample and we went back to my PD 
and I got sprayed with their OC and it did not work as advertised. Um, and I sent them the video of it not working on me, but yeah, I, I distinctly remember that one because of, uh, uh, yeah, for a lot of reasons, it was a bad idea. That got pushed pretty hard for a while by a couple teams. But I think that's also, you know, when it comes to application, especially for, especially for folks that are not armed in an official capacity. I think that's where a light comes in usage the most yeah. is with that managing unknown contacts. Cause mm-hmm. the, the, the only time I've ever actually had to use a light on somebody when I was still in college at the time, I went to college in new Orleans and, um, for whatever reason, I had a practice even back then when I was walking uh, back from the bars to campus, I would always walk down the middle of the road instead of the sidewalks. And the main reason you were was drunk. because, well, the main reason was because the street was more even than the sidewalks were. Oh, yeah. And so, you were drunk. Yeah, you, you were, you were a lot less likely to eat it, but um, you know, it had the added benefit of giving me dramatically more standoff from the alleys and yeah. all this other stuff. Yeah. And so I'm walking down Maple and from off in one of kind of the dark side streets, I hear those words that no good conversation ever starts with, which are, Hey, let me talk to you for a second. And, um, you know, I have no proof of this, but I am without a doubt sure that I was getting set up to, you know, for, to get mugged, robbed or whatever. And by pure happenstance, I had this crappy little $35 Chinese pistol light that I had bought at the Pontchartrain gun show the day prior. Um, didn't have the gun on me for obvious reasons. Uh, but I have that out of my pocket and I light the dude up with it. And I may as well have pointed a shotgun at him for how fast his hands flew up. And, you know, he's, he's trying to give me some, uh, some story about needing bus money and all that kind of stuff. But he's like pulling his shirt up to show me his waistband, telling yeah. me that he doesn't have, you know, isn't armed or any of that. I'm like, you know who uh, bad guys associate flashlights with, mm-hmm. right? Hey, cops. Yeah. Alex. <laughs> I mean, he he point blank asked me if I was a cop. Mm-hmm. I just didn't answer him on that particular question. But yeah, and so, um, but that's that is where folks in my position are most likely to yeah. end up using the thing. And yeah. I think that's that's another big piece of it is, and Chuck, this is something that we that was talked about at the NPE class in Oklahoma was judicious, uh, polite application of the light. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you zap somebody in the face and it wasn't a fight, it could turn into one. Well, even on traffic stops, I'm not going in people's faces unless I have to. And I'm going to avoid but, yeah. that as much as possible. Yeah. And there's the inadvertent versus the intentional yeah. leaving it there. Mm-hmm. Right. And intentionally powering the dude with light. <clears throat> so there's the, Oh, sorry about that. Right. I, whether you are legitimately sorry and you got the result you wanted. Right. Or you're like, mm-hmm. ah, I did it just to make sure. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. When I hired on, <laughs> one of the night shift guys, every, every single car stop he walked up on, he would go bloop. And then he'd be like, Oh man, I'm sorry. Uh, my light keeps doing that. <laughs> and then people would be like, Oh, it's okay. But they're seeing spots. But yeah. They, they're, yeah. yeah. 
Nice. So Alex, if you think about it as you're drinking mm-hmm. and I'm asking you something, um, with the light, what are the things that you're looking for? When are you using it? Um, I mean, very much like you just said, pretty much for me, it's those transitional spaces. So it's, you know, parking lots, stuff like that. Um, Potential areas where there may be an ambush, something that's unusually dark. Mm-hmm. And also exactly. and having these great, having a great throw, you can do it before you even reach there. And what do you know, if someone happens to be there, they know that you know that they're there. That's 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 basically it. Is is for the most part for me, the flashlight is to and from my car. Yeah. You know, for, for all intents and purposes, that's that's you know, that's the, the wheelhouse for that. Um and thus far, that's all that's uh that's ever really kind of been been needed. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm sure that there because there's always kind of the, the the theoretical scenario of, well, if there's somebody that's kind of hunkered down in the dark corner waiting for food to come by, if they see you spotlighting and whatever, they'll probably wait for the next one. So possibly. But also at the same time, you, you said using this to illuminate uh, going to your car, illuminating mm-hmm. your car isn't a bad idea as, as well as sweeping underneath just real quick. See if you yeah. see any feet on the other side or anything like that. Just a quick assessment of where you're going before you get there. And that's something that I preach on a regular basis, talking to regular everyday citizens. Yeah, and, and also from a perspective of a regular everyday citizen, which I am when I'm not being paid to go where not to be. bad people are doing bad things with other people who are doing bad things. Uh, to, to steal a phrase from Chuck, if you go... Uh, that shit ain't right. Don't be there. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter if your car is there. It doesn't matter if you have the world's best flashlights and a Wonder Blaster 9000 and all that shit. If you avoid the fight, you've won. Yeah. Winning the fight is coming in first place loser. Because if you avoid the fight as a private citizen who's not being paid there to go and deal with the bad people, if you can avoid the fight, avoid the fight. And if, if you illuminate an area with a flashlight and you go, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm carrying these groceries or I'm carrying my kid or like my wife or girlfriend with me is with me or boyfriend. It's 2023, whoever you might be, you know, your significant other who's not going to help in a fight, but is going to cost you the ability to fight if you have to, because you you're going to worry about them more than you are yourself. All of those factors. If, if you do the old calibrated thumb thing, like, like Chuck says, and you go, that shit ain't right, oh, yeah. walk back to where you came from, where there's people, where there's light, where you're not going to be victimized. Yeah, I know it might inconvenience you. You might be half an hour to late, late to something. But if you can avoid that fight, you've won. And, and it's, it's absolutely staggering the number of people that, at the very least, tough talk online about voluntarily inserting themselves into a potential altercation hell cops do it cops have to (laughs) oh no 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 but they're talking about yeah i'm I'm gonna go ruin someone's day today oh that yeah no that but uh, no but on on general principle you know the people's like oh well i shouldn't have to xyz i mean no you 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 shouldn't have to but (laughs) you know look the i i ask people all the time you know do you have a right to go hiking in Alaska wearing a pork chop necklace. 
<laughs> you can if you want. Well, I should be able to do okay. You know, the, the, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But all choices have consequences of some of some level. All exactly right. You know, and that's there's 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 a difference between having the right to do something and having the right to do something consequence free. Absolutely. So I'm thinking in closing. I don't think for the actual show, we've actually talked about the new light. And it wouldn't be a bad idea to talk about it. Actually, Mod light hog. Yes. Before you dive into the hog. Yeah. I have, I have one other thing yeah, yeah, yeah. for all the people out there. This is, this is going in with the camera nerd stuff. Boy, that's bright. 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 There's wow. A pattern. Yes. Cameras and people lie, not necessarily on purpose, but when you're when you're using people's pictures, people's videos, that type of thing to try and help you pick a light, regardless of what the purpose is for. Just keep in mind, cameras don't see things the way our eyes see yes, things. Yes. So your perception in person of a product is going to be different than your perception looking at a still photograph that somebody took, because I can tell you right now, I can set up a camera and I can set up lights and I can make the, I can make the $10 Walmart flashlight or the $10 Home Depot flashlight look just as good as one of these high power flashlights that's sitting in front of me. So keep that in mind. I'm not saying people are lying to you on purpose. In fact, most people who shut up, Brad, <laughs> Oh, he's, he's not, but everybody else was like 20 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but most people, if they provide information, which is, which is, uh, let's say, not, not ideal, you know, inadvert, inadvertently being untruthful is because <laughs> the people who are taking these pictures and videos do not understand enough about how the particular camera they're using, whether it be a cell phone or even an expensive camera, they don't understand necessarily the nuance. Now, there's a lot of people who do, but there are some people who post reviews, post pictures and everything in good faith, and they don't quite understand the nuance. So what they're presenting may not give you as accurate a picture as you would need to make the most informed decision. So just I mean, keep that in mind, please. I, I made a, a loose attempt to, you know, back when like I had that Phoenix PD 35, I had the mod light and I think I had um, the stiletto at that point. And even just doing the best I possibly could to make the image replicate what I was actually seeing was a hell of a challenge. Now I'm not a photo nerd by any stretch of the imagination, but even with all the qualifiers and disclaimers, it's like, look, you know, there is some artificiality there. You know, even just, it takes an insanely high degree of skill to have that finished product match what the user experience is going to be. 
I, I have done articles with lights, putting a bunch of lights into the same environment to see what the effects would be. And I've done my damnedest to try to get the iPhone camera or the Canon to recreate what I was seeing evenly. And it doesn't always come out that way, even no matter how much work you put into it. So at best, some of that stuff is this specific place, this specific camera, this was the closest we could get. Yeah. Just be as informed as you can yep. because these lights, I mean, you know, I, I don't think there's a single one of us that has less than a thousand plus dollars worth of flashlights in front of us tonight. And, you know, probably significantly more than that. And there's a number of these lights that if I, I haven't even put up in front of the camera, there's a number of these lights that I wouldn't have purchased if I was better informed, but uh, take, take my pain, take Chuck's pain, take Eric's pain. What, and it's just like for holsters and guns and all sorts of other stuff. If, if there are people who have shown that they're going to be truthful about their opinions on things and truthful about their experiences, and they say, Hey, maybe this isn't a good choice. Like maybe a couple of those O lights, Brad, <laughs> aren't a good choice for a defensive purpose. I've told people before, Olight makes a fantastic light. If you want a task light, a lot of their stuff is set up to be excellent as a task light. I would not put one on a gun. I would not carry one defensively, but they make a great task light. Part of it too is being, being fortunate enough to be able to grab some of the stuff and test it because you could write it off for business. Right. So I, I can, that Olight was bought on my business account. It wasn't bought out of my checking account. Um, but what was good 30 years ago, what was good 15 years ago, what was good two years ago may be surpassed. Right. And we, we were all talking about the hog, you know, the hog lights now for mod light. There may be a time in a year two, three, where where that gets surpassed by a company that we've never oh, yeah. heard of some dudes in his garage right now wrenching on leds and battery connections figuring out a way to improve it right so yeah. well, you just have other, to accept yeah. that your stuff uh, at some point might get out to, might get improved on i'm the telling you right part, now though, is, is also recognizing where on that point of diminishing returns you are yeah because you know again somebody in in my room my perspectives there is like, there is very, I mean, once I got the mod light, I didn't need to buy the cloud there for me, there is no functional difference between the yeah. two for my use case. And so it's like, there reaches a point where what you got is actually good enough yeah. and just run what you brung until there is a quantified. And that's the challenge that I see on a lot of this is just because it's measurable doesn't mean it's significant. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you're a member of the main primary and secondary, not one of the 269 other primary and secondary groups, but the main <laughs> nice. primary and secondary group or the mod light owners group, I posted, uh, I don't know, like 6,000-ish character uh, comparison of these two lights, which is just very basic. This stream light, tried and true. I have taken it into situations that are that have life altering consequences if the bad decision is made. Even if a good decision is made, life altering consequences. Would I recommend this flashlight to people? I would. I have had this hog for at this point just under two months, and it has largely 
replace this light because it is objectively higher output and subjectively I have a better use experience with this so far. Does that mean I think you should not buy this light? If your budget is 150 bucks, you should buy this light. It's a fantastic light. If your budget is 400 bucks, this light I think is better. It doesn't make this light bad though. Yeah. So then again, we're talking about, you know, mission drives a gear train, things like that. And uh, not the, the uh, HP version of that, but just the standard version of that stream light. When you have, when you, you need a light to do a bunch of things, like is it capable in a building search? Yes, it is. That's my experience. Uh, can you do admin stuff with it? Like you can cycle it down on the dimmer switch. So now instead of, two hours of runtime. Now you get six hours of runtime um, and you're looking for brass at a crime scene. You don't need all the lumens. Um, I, I was once in a, in a cop scenario where we had a tornado go through town and I was directing traffic for hours on end and had one flashlight after another die on me. So if I can cycle that thing down for doing admin stuff like directing traffic and get six hours of batteries instead of, you know, one or two hours of battery, you know, is that a, a really good multifunction? Uh, it, it will definitely get you by as a combat light, but then also as an excellent admin light, is that a bad thing to have around? It's not a bad thing to have around. Um, and certainly if you break it, are you going to cry? No, it, it, you know, it doesn't rise to that level. Um, you know, for everyday people lights, that's one of the reasons I like the, you know, the stiletto, the stiletto pro easy to carry around. Is it, can, can I search a building with it? I can, is it optimal? No. Uh, does it, does it make a excellent crossover between combat light and admin light with good switchology and, and uh, you know, availability kind of a systems approach on, can I keep it with me? Can I recharge it? Can I, you know, is it supportable? Can it, you know, what roles does it cover? That streamlight is like that easily rechargeable. You know, you can have your recharging uh, harness or saddle in the, in, in the car, et cetera. So for cop work, those, those are an excellent light. Um, yeah. You know, the, in the, I'm not, um, I actually have some beef with surefire corporate because of some internal politics over the years um, and how they've treated some friends of mine, but uh, I can't, can't tell you that, 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 uh, stiletto isn't a hell of a good EDC light. I think the pro kind of outclasses it because of issues I have with switchology mm -hmm. and coming on, but the stiletto is not a bad light at all. I'll tell you where the stiletto, uh, is nicer than the pro that I figured out here the other day, because I've, I've been playing with the pro for maybe about a year and the stiletto for like five years or whenever it came out, um, is that that aluminum body gets cold when it's below zero. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, yeah. Um, Sounds like a you problem. Yeah. We don't have that problem about the people's <laughs> Republic of California. We barely yeah. hit freezing. Nor in Texas. So, so um, Travis said he uses one of these daily and just because I have moved to this because I have the luxury of using this for a lot of stuff. This still sits in the charger cradle in okay. my cruiser. And if, and if I was on a scene where I knew I had to tr direct traffic for several hours yeah. on end. Yeah. Holding the button and stepping this down to the 200 lumen or 150 lumen or whatever it is thing that it'll, it'll last like Chuck said, six or eight hours on a battery. That's 
really handy. And guess what? Spare batteries for these. If your department bought you one of these, a spare battery is like 30 bucks if you can't get them to give you a battery. So just like get the spare battery, put it in the light, charge it and stick it in your patrol bag. And then yes. once a month, swap Which it. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for this, I have a couple of spare batteries in my car. For this, I have spare batteries in my car. So you kind of like layering with other gear. If you have the ability to, you know, like let's say Alex, Alex is carrying the, the Stiletto Pro, right? You yes. said most of the time yes. the Stiletto Pro. Okay. Who's to say he doesn't have one of these in his car? Who's to say he doesn't have, uh, you know, one of these in his car on a charger or, or a Stryon or something else? Just because we're talking about one light for a particular purpose doesn't mean you can't have another light. If you push the button repeatedly, it'll strobe, Brad. Brad, no, it does not. Thank God the user has to make it do that. Right. But there's, there's, there's none of us that are saying you can't have different lights for different purposes stage different places and i understand not everyone is going to have the resources to be able to do that kind of thing but if you have the resources and you want to carry something that's not you know the wonder blaster 9000 equivalent in a, in a handheld light but you want to have something kind of like that staged in your vehicle or staged in your house because you have the space because you want to get their performance this has but you want to spend 50 bucks instead of 300 bucks, which you can do, but it's going to be three times or four times this size. You stash it in your car, stash it in your house, and then you have this level of performance, but it's in a much larger product, but you don't have to put it in your pocket. What's the uh, Streamlight X? Is it the X5, 5X? Yeah. So, um, guys down at LA Sheriff, I had in a low light instructor class. I have several of those, and they're awesome. Yeah, from their tactics and survival section. And they had said during the 2020 riots, they'd gotten a number of those into the hands of guys doing station defense, station security. And from rooftops and fence lines, wall lines, they were doing really good work about being able to, to identify folks at distance. Yeah. I keep meaning to grab one, um, but guys They're down there cheap. Yeah, had really good things mm -hmm. to say about that light in that role. Awesome yeah, vehicle. Awesome they run off life. a pair of 18650. This is an HL4X, not an HL5X, but oh. this it's like 2,500 versus 3,500 lumens. Yeah. And I think this is 30,000 candela and the 5X is like 40,000 candela maybe. Yeah. Great light. But my beef with this light is it, to for what I use lights for most of the time, this doesn't have enough of a hotspot. It doesn't generate enough of that high candela for what I use a light for a lot of the time. However... If I need to light up a whole building at once, if I'm looking in an open field and I'm looking for tracks in an open field and I want to light up the whole friggin' field, I bring this because it's got what a three or four hour battery life off, off these yeah. two batteries at high power. It's a fantastic product. It's not too expensive. Like you guys said, I let's see here. We tracked some tracking down some uh, felon to his house and we were staging and we set up a perimeter and I took my 5X or whatever the hell it's called, turned it on, set it on top of a fence post just to illuminate that side. And we could move behind it. And that basically that light kind of masked what we were doing. It worked really well. 
Travis, it's a Streamlight. It's um, it's a something HL4X. The current model is an HL5X. Yeah. And what are they like? One twenty. I bought I bought several of them. One stays at the house. One stays in a car. I bought them for as Christmas presents for family members. Yeah, they're they're fairly equivalent in price. I want to say these are just a tiny bit cheaper, but they instead of running off of a proprietary nickel metal hydroid battery, which is what these do, these run off of two eighteen six fifties. Great lights. Um, I think we've covered some awesome, awesome stuff. And again, this is one of my favorite topics. Um, I think Chuck and I are going to be turning into pumpkins here soon. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll be up at five-ish. Um, Me too. Yeah, let's get some final plugs, some final thoughts. Bear in mind, those of you listening, whether you're listening now live or listening after it's been released, recorded. Support those, support those sources that you have found to be beneficial. If you like what these guys have had to say, again, find them on social media, find whatever companies they represent. If they happen to work for certain magazines and their editors, maybe find them and like them, subscribe. If yes, they're providing, please. yes. If they're providing content that's useful for you. If you like what maybe the suited shootist has to say, you might want to subscribe and share. Same with primary and secondary. Make sure you hit, and at the beginning of this, you already hit like, so I don't need to remind you to hit like again because then you dislike it. So Chuck, final thoughts and plugs. Um, I don't know. We covered a lot of stuff. It was awesome. Uh, it, it's not just gear and a lot of this, what we talked about before, as far as like low light training, a lot of it is learning to like the skills of things like reading the light, reading the terrain, reading all that at once, and then applying your cool guy light to what you have to do, you know, move through a building, search a building, area search outdoors, things like that. So it, it, you got to have a kind of an integrated approach to this sort of thing. Um, and it's not just going to the range and shooting uh, and handheld lights far more important than weapon mounted lights, in my opinion, uh, far more useful yep. uh, weapon mounted lights have a niche, but it's a very narrow niche and, you know, uh, very useful to have in the middle of a gunfight, but not as useful in a lot of other scenarios. So mastering all the above, if you're really going to be serious about this is what, you, what you're going to end up having to do, particularly if you're in a law enforcement role um, or even, you know, uh, if you want to be a competent home defender and be able to uh, do things like search your own house and that sort of thing and not, not shoot the wrong people. Yeah. Cause that's, uh, that's really bad. Um yeah, uh, I think we covered a good a lot of good stuff on, um, you know, flashlight design and attributes and things like that. You want to be looking for. It's easy to buy crap gear, um, but it's all you can buy good gear and not necessarily have to spend. You know what David was talking about. Uh, you know, um, that there's a lot of stuff in the middle that's really good gear that'll that'll definitely uh, work for you and has been working for people for a very long time. So not having the money for the cutting edge stuff. That's just not that big a deal, you know? Um, so yeah. Uh, you always ask us about that. My website's uh, agile tactical.com uh, agile training and consulting. I have my, <laughs> once again, I'm, I'm getting pretty booked up this year. So once again, my, 
calendar is mostly up to date, but I got some new stuff that I got to post. So, um, yeah, uh, going to be all over the country this year, training at various venues. Eric, you have your hand raised. No, that was an accidental hit, but since you called on me, regardless of what lights you choose, and, and hopefully you get ones that meet the criteria we kind of talked about, get out and work with them. Take it with you when you walk the dog in the dark. Look behind the bushes, right? Get used to seeing what it looks like looking out of your bedroom through the doorway down the hall. If you're in a place where you might have to turn that light on in a parking lot or in a city street, see what the street lights and parking lot lights do to your light. Um, remember, you're far more likely to have to identify something than you are to have to get into a shooting with it. So learn how to work the handheld separate from the weapon mounted light. Uh, in terms of plugs, my company's Cougar Mountain Solutions. I'm on all the social media stuff, uh, do low light applications, as well as low light instructor for law enforcement. Low light applications for anybody, low light instructor for law enforcement. Uh, just found out in the last couple of days, Chuck and I will be teaching low light side by side, not together, but side by side at the Guardian Conference in the fall uh, back in Oklahoma City. I'll be doing the Shotgun Summit, Thunderstick Summit, which is another shotgun centric event uh, was low light in Las Vegas in October. We're just waiting for the dates to get released or announced and released. Um, I also teach at Gunsight. I'm the editor of American Cop Magazine, which is online only, so it doesn't cost you to subscribe. Please just sign up and give us the clicks, right? It's AmericanCop.com. I've had a whole series of low light and light articles there over the past year. Um, at least Greg Elifitz has found them to be be fairly useful because he does seem to share that share a majority of them. So Cougar Mountain Solutions or AmericanCop.com, I'd appreciate you in both places. And thanks for inviting me on tonight, Matt. Oh, anytime, anytime. Alex. Uh, so yeah, I'm on all of the uh, social media platforms as the suited shootist. Um, parting thoughts. Pull your pants up. Stop wearing cargo pants. Uh, <laughs> you know the 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 hits, and be honest with yourself about needs and wants when it comes to gear. Because like we were yeah. talking about earlier, I see so many people that far exceed their use case because what they're basically doing is now they're just trying to maximize an RPG character <laughs> because the, the 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 fact that they have just amped all those stats as high as they can get them gives them the warm fuzzy even though the capabilities are just so far beyond uh, what they're actually going to need. Uh, and, you know, yeah, there's going to be the argument like, well, you don't know what you're going to need until after the fact. Yes, to a degree. But, you know, you've got people that are sitting on substantial gear investments, but uh, if they're neglecting other facets of their life in the meantime, make sure that you're living a life that's worth defending. Well, then you're just a loot drop. Well, there's, there's, there's certainly that too. Uh, but yeah, so that's it. Uh, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and God help me now, TikTok uh, are the main places to find me. I will say I it was, I was dragged kicking and screaming by, by somebody that works in a marketing team that said it would at least help to, to, to grow the channel. So we shall see, but speaking of, I also do, a little bit of freelance writing for Gat Daily, so you can find some of my uh, some of my stuff there as well. Cool, Dave.
make this better. The better you make this. He's pointing at his head, by the way. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I forget about the audio version. <laughs> I thought Dream he was brain. asking for help. Yes. <laughs> help me. Uh, yes. Tra train your brain. And if you have the choice this year of attending a low light class with someone like Chuck or Eric, or the alternative is to buy one of these brand new hogs, you're going to, you're going to be better off with a, you know, 300 bucks to the tour of the class. I don't know what y'all's classes cost. So just let me paraphrase for a moment, but you know, instead of $400 for the light, oops, whoa, hit my keyboard. All right. Instead of $400 for the light, buy a stream light that's good enough for 90 plus percent of what these other lights will do and get some, get some low light training. If you're buying light for tactical or self-defense or, or offensive purposes or whatever, because if you don't know what to do with the gear, the gear is only going to help you a little bit. You can get a lot further with knowledge and mid-level gear than yeah. you can with high level gear and no knowledge. But that being said, the gear is fun. It is. It's, it's, yeah. it's fun. It's yeah. fun to chase all the new stuff. And I'm telling you guys right now, a lot of us that have this new stuff, either, either we have it sent to us as a, Hey, I know you do this kind of thing. Here's my new product. Yeah. Are you going to break it doing what you do? <laughs> or are you going to find an issue with it? doing what you do or, or, Hey, like, uh, you know, we need an article written about it. So, so check this out, write us an article or, you know, Hey, we're, we're not going to send you this product, but because we know you're going to talk about it because you have the, all this other comparative stuff, we want, we, we want to give you a discounted rate on it. So a lot of that kind of stuff happens. I'm not saying that everyone is like that, but, but, trying to follow people on social media. And I mean, I'm, I'm a nobody, so I'm not talking about me, but trying to follow people on social media that always have the newest, most expensive gear, whether it's flashlights or whether it's guns or whether it's vehicles, you, you got to understand there's, there's, there's kind of a profession behind that sometimes and training your brain and making yourself better and more capable of handling these situations gear aside is going to be better than just getting all the best gear and not training yourself. I have seen Chuck do, well, that's a one L I, so I have the two battery version of this, of this uh, Streamlight one L a, a, and I forget what it's called. It's like a protect two a or something mm -hmm. like that. Chuck, I have seen Chuck do some crazy ninja shit with that Streamlight flashlight that I want to say runs like 45 bucks. Yep. Just crazy ninja shit with it that I was like, yeah. I was like, this is so cool. I'm glad I'm here to like document some of this stuff, but you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of bragging on Chuck cause he's here, but uh, yeah. he does deserve the praise. Yes, he does. But having, having the knowledge without the highest level gear will get you a lot further. Just keep that in mind. And also, like I said previously, if you can avoid the fight, you've won, the, you've won by default. Yeah. And as far as things to plug, uh, I'm the co-owner of DNA Guns. That's Delta November Alpha DNA Guns. We buy, sell machine gun stuff. We do rentals. We do all sorts of training and that kind of stuff in that venue particularly. And if you have something that is irreplaceable, need, you need repaired, we do that as well. 
Good stuff. Great. Birthday parties and bar mitzvahs. Yes. Yeah. We've done those things. Absolutely. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you want us, you want us to bring a giant trailer load full of machine guns and ammunition? Give us a call. Nice. We'll be there for you. Nice. So to bring to to go back to something that Eric said earlier on, and he was talking about, and Dave talked about the latest and the greatest. And what Eric was talking about was right now, this mod light hog might be the best in a couple of years. Things may change. Stop relying on these tiers. Stop relying on these lists. Products change. Companies change. Know what the values are that you're looking for and, and go from there. Um, these, these random meme lists, who knows who they're, who's making them? Who knows what their values are? use your own values, figure out if you look, if you're in the market for an AR 15, figure out what do you want in that AR 15? What, what's important. If you're not sure, ask someone that knows and go from there. Don't be relying on these lists and these tier diagrams. Same with lights, the O lights. So I have a couple of lights. The outputs actually outputs is good. It's usable, but there are some negatives to it. Sometimes and, they get real bright for a half a second. Yes, yes. And they also get very hot. But I wouldn't have known that. Sure, a bunch of people uh, write about it or they post about it. But I personally like to have hands on. And so I go and purchase these things and see them for myself. I have a firsthand, I have firsthand experience with it now. And I'm, I'm happy about that. That's how I function. Um, awesome discussion, though. Thank you guys for, for, for joining the episode. Um, quick shout outs to... If you're in the market for a new fixed blade or folding knife, as a matter of fact, I have my knife right here. Uh, Scallywag Tactical has a code. It is all caps PNS10. That gets you 10% off a Scallywag knife. They also make, I, I purchased different uh, versions or different models for Christmas presents. They're, they're fun. Big thank you to the episode sponsors. Big thank you to Big Tech's Ordnance. Overwatch Precision, Filster, Primary Arms, Walther, and lastly, big thank you to the Patreon subscribers. Patreon subscribers were able to watch live. They were able to pre uh, provide some questions that we were able to address. We have a live chat going on. We were able to interact with the chat. Um, it's nice to be able to have that interaction. Basically, what Patreon does for primary and secondary is it, it, it does help pay for some of the bills. Um, there's a lot going on. There are a lot of cogs in this big machine. Everything from hosting to video um editing software to you name it there's a lot of things behind the scenes that go on that that provide this um this free resource to anyone who's interested so thanks for watching and listening i have several other episodes that are planned out it's just a matter of figuring out when to do them uh, i have a really cool conversation coming up with uh a, a couple guys who have been on before i'm not going to get into details with that one um also the hunting ones, I've been getting some really cool feedback on the hunting episodes. The stats on them have been miserable, absolutely horrible. No one's watching them, but the conversations are really good. And we're going to continue. We have a couple more that we're going to be doing, despite that being something that not everyone's interested in. Oh, well, I think that's pretty much everything I have. I am going to shut this down so I can go to bed. Maybe I can have it edited tomorrow and have it released by Friday. Maybe. Cool. Well, thanks for watching or listening. We'll talk to you later.